you're driving in an incredible new vehicle. A vehicle so advanced, it can go over 700 miles between fill-ups. A vehicle so efficient, it gets the best mileage of any vehicle of its kind in America. Who makes it? Volkswagen. Who else? Introducing the new Volkswagen diesel pickup. It's built like a truck, but it drives like something else. Volkswagen does it again. Welcome back to the Monster Rabbit podcast, a show dedicated to discussing all things Volkswagen Mark 1s. In today's episode, my special guest today is Corey Lape from Pennsylvania. He's going to be coming on and telling his story about his Volkswagen Mark 1s, including the mountain green, the sport truck, and the sunbright yellow, the snowplow, uh, amongst other things. He's also going to be talking about the tractors and stuff like that. He's uh, very much an old soul, uh, and uh, uh, we had a great conversation, and I think a lot of you are really going to enjoy this. There's lots of little tidbits, and yeah, just great storytelling. I think this is a classic a classic Monster Rabbit podcast that all of you will enjoy. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, then you can always go to Instagram. I'm at the Monster Rabbit. If you'd like to maybe come on the show and tell your story, then please do get in touch. As always, if you do want to support what I'm doing here, please go to themonsterrabbit.com. Pick yourself out a T-shirt. As Halloween is approaching, we've got some Halloween special editions out there now available to buy. And if you are in America, then maybe order, uh, bef- you know, give yourself enough time because it does take about two weeks, maybe more to uh, to get to you in the US. But, uh, you know, there's some Halloween prints on there as well as the classics. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you order in time to avoid disappointment. Uh, and always uh, go to the YouTube channel. I'm really trying to I know I, I don't really like to force things upon people, but I'm really trying to get behind the YouTube channel more now. That's where I document all of my modifications and restorations and things that I'm doing with my very own mountain green pickup truck. Uh, I, I record everything as much as I can and put it on the YouTube channel, and I'm really, really trying to get behind that uh, more so than anything else so if you could do me a massive favor just go over to youtube just type in well you don't even have to do that in the show notes below on this episode i've put links to everything and in there you'll find the youtube channel just give it a little subscribe click the bell icon that's all i ask that's all i ask is just i just i would love to reach a wider audience Uh, and so yeah subscribe to that and the podcast, and uh, I'd really appreciate that. We're trying to hit over a 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube by the end of the year. If we can do it with the the podcast, then I'm sure we can do it with the YouTube channel. So thank you in advance. I really appreciate you. Uh, but, yeah, had a great conversation with Corey. Like I said, I think a lot of you are really going to enjoy this episode. It's uh, He's such a stand-up guy. He's so like genuinely nice and very knowledgeable, it seems. And he's had a plethora of different Volkswagens. And, uh, well, I won't spoil it for you. Here it is. Here's Corey Lape. Enjoy the show. Hey, how are you, buddy? Doing good. Excellent. Mate, welcome to the Monster Rabbit podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, it, 
it's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, happy to be here. Mate, where are you calling from today? Uh, so I live in Orgsburg, Pennsylvania, kind of eastern Pennsylvania, center eastern. Oh, sweet. Um, trying to think what a, a, you know, a landmark to, I always tell people here, there's a, there's a local like hunting store, local, like oh, right below me here. Um, it's called Cabela's. It's like a large outfitter hunting store, oh. but um, I don't think you've ever really dealt with anything like that. So, but <laughs> no, um, no, I, I, well, mate, I'm a, I don't want to sort of like alienate people, or whatever. I, I am totally against hunting, like totally yeah. against it. Yeah. Uh, and I know each to their own and all that. I'm just a fucking little vegetarian sat here. But um Do you but... guys have um what do you guys have Yingling ice uh Yingling uh beer over there? Yeah, I don't know. I've, I don't think I've heard of that. Oh, Possibly. Okay. Once again, I, I'm just so not in tune with any of that. But uh Yingling is the it's made right above me here, north of me, about ten, fifteen minutes. It's very popular over here, but I wasn't sure if that if that goes overseas. Oh, maybe like you know what? Like the in in our like local gross grocery store, um, okay. there like the aisle of uh, you know all these the imported lagers and beers and all that is forever growing. There's so many like artsy and like proper uh, what's the word like hipster beer and it's just there's so much here. It's 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 incredible like i don't know if you've seen on my instagram stories i'll often go to the grocery store then look at hot wheels and stuff and there's like an aisle right and this aisle on the end of the aisle is imported goods and there's like an american section with like reese's uh reese's cereal and uh what's the other one lucky charms and like humongous hot dogs and humongous marshmallows it's really funny to see it (laughs) huh because I can't imagine like uh, like a, a grocery store over there where there's like a British section with just like tea bags and Worcestershire sauce and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think it's that uh, specific over here. No, <laughs> no. But no, dude, uh, I I I appreciate you taking the time out and coming on the show. I, you know, I've wanted to have you on for a while, and uh, you know, I've heard several things from different people. Like uh, we had Moira on the show, and. Obviously, we can we can talk about the snowplow a bit later as well. But she was singing your praises and stuff, and she was saying, you know, you you used to be really really into the Volkswagens, and now you're sort of into the tractors and stuff. I'd love to dive into some of that if we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is funny because I kind of went back with you know you contacted me here, and I, I kind of to refresh my memory on some years, I guess, as far as when I was doing some of this. Yeah, I would call myself a little washed up at this point but really? um i'm just not as i'm not as socially present with the volkswagen anymore mainly to the fact that i've done a lot and i'm kind of i'm content with what i have and now i'm just working on those things i don't i don't really go acquiring too many more volkswagen en- endeavors uh i do a lot of buying and selling yet parts and whatnot i enjoy but yeah i um I've always been into the tractors. I grew up around that. My dad had some tractors and some stationary engine stuff and grew up going to local tractor shows and Thresherman reunion shows around here. Mm. But then once I purchased my house uh, at the end of 2019, I now have more space and, you know, I have a decent job and money so I can, I can do a lot more of this. And it kind of really took off. 
Um, so I'm, I'm very much into early agriculture, uh, basically like 1920s, 30s, and 40s. Okay. Um, that's, that's my main interest. I don't really go anything past about 1960, but I really also then focus on early John Deere and early Caterpillar is wow. my, my two main interests. Oh, that's so cool. That is really, like, I love finding this stuff out. Like, I love finding out that, you know, people have got this other passion and they're so in, involved with it. I really do. Like, there's there's certain things that people don't know about about me that I keep, you know, totally under wraps. And, yeah. and I'm just as passionate about that stuff as I am with the trucks and the, the Volkswagens and stuff. And it, it's it's nice to have something else. And it's nice to meet people that are really passionate and keen about you know certain subjects you know there don't get me wrong i've met some other people that are just so dull and just they, <laughs> do you know what i mean uh, no yeah, yeah totally but, i've like, never had that issue but I, i'm into actually a lot of different things mm. so what i mainly try to do anymore is i try to keep every like niche to a very focused uh well every hobby to a very focused niche Mm. Um, like I said, for the tractors mainly, I'm not trying to buy every tractor I see. I, I more so favor certain brands, certain years, uh, you know, things kind of have a reason, uh, stuff like that. So, and, and all my other hobbies, uh, pretty much the same. And Volkswagen was also that way as well. I mean, I always mainly just focused on USA built early Westy cars. Mm. And, and now I also kind of like early uh, Mark threes as well, which I, I kind of daily drive one on the side here. So stuff like that, you know, but I, I just always would focus towards a certain thing, kind of learn everything you can about that, you know, whatever else you learn from people you talk to here and there, but trying to keep that focus tight. And then, cause like I said, at this point, you know, to spend the time on every aspect and it's, I don't know, it can take a lot, I guess, which mm. it's all just a sacrifice. You spend it somewhere else and not yeah. on, on the other thing but yeah no i feel you on that man it's, it's funny you mentioned that because it was only like this week i was chatting to my uh, my girlfriend my girlfriend chloe and we, i was saying like look there's just not enough hours in the day and there's not enough days in the week like i've got so many passions like i love photography i love playing guitar i love tinkering around with the truck and oh shit i've got to do a podcast and oh i was supposed to film this and Oh, I've got to go up here and film this for in this person's truck, and and oh, I've got this coming up, and oh, I've got to go to work eight hours a day, and oh, yeah. there's so many things just build up, and it's like I had to like slot. I had to like you, uh, Moira says you're really good at organizing, and I've turned in myself. I've got to be like, right, I'm going to spend an hour. I'm going to spend an hour playing guitar. I'm going to I'm going to like square off this time in the evening to do this and then that and then everything will slot into into place yeah but yeah it is it like i i can totally meet you on what you just said about how you're into certain things but it's like you go even further and you have a specific thing that you're into and i like that i like that you and how many i, I want to know first okay. this might be just a dumb question a, a stupid question but how many how many tractors do you have um, so one, two, uh, five, five currently that are, would be considered, you know, projects that will be functioning and whatnot. 
Mm. And then I have one just sitting out front and my front lawn as like a lawn ornament. Um, it's a 1920s Fordson that I had seen way, way back when I was young at a local scrapyard. And um, I had just a couple of years ago here now had gone back, talked to the gentleman, asked if he would just sell it. Uh, but this one will never be will never be running. It's never going to come back. It's more of just kind of, a, you know, to appreciate what it is and that it's still yeah. around. Stuff like Ouch. that. But yeah, I would say five. Uh, one is a dozer. One is a bulldozer with a blade. Um, and then the rest are all just more ag tractors for working in the fields, pulling a plow, a disc, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. And I, uh, forgive me for asking this, but I guess you are sat on quite some land to be able to have all these. And, and do you do like, you know, your own, do you have like a field and grow crops and stuff like that? What's the deal? Well, n- not yet. Let's say, um, okay. that is the end goal. Uh, I bought my house right before I luckily bought my house right before over here. The market is garbage as far as buying property prices are extremely high. Like it's just really bad. So luckily I had got in before that and I do have, I have three acres, um, and I have a, a house with a garage below and a detached garage. So I have a decent amount of space mm. to kind of do some of this stuff and more so work on them, but I don't really have the space that I want in the end to actually utilize them and enjoy them because a lot of my land currently is more wooded and it's really swampy and this and that. So I kind of have a goal over the next couple of years here to ride out the market, save up. And I would like to then strive for what I call just, you know, the dream property, which mm. would be more of a, a little farmette feel, maybe something in the five to 20 acre range if I can afford it. Uh, five to 10, honestly, would be would be enough of what I'd want depending on how it's laid out. But then I would, I would like to, you know, even if it's something as simple as just like keeping a field mode or maybe do some hobby, uh, hay, hay farming and stuff, make some small square bales and stuff. It just, to me, it would be awesome. I grew up doing some of that, working on some, some local farms and stuff too. And I don't know, I just really appreciate these tractors, but I, I'm not doing it just to collect them so much. I do want to run them. I do want to enjoy them. Mm. I can take them to some local shows around here too, once they're to the level I want, but I kind of always go a little too deep, I guess you can say to some people where I like to mechanically go over everything I have. I mean, every vehicle I've ever owned, I've touched every nut and bolt. I know the status of pretty much everything. That's how I've always been. So I like to do the same with the tractors, but what I strive for is I try to find very good original examples or uh, as close to original as you can find, like a survivor looking and feeling tractor. But then I like to mechanically go over them so that they run great. You know, they fire right up, they function as they should, but they look like they're very old, you know, and they're just like, they wouldn't be functioning almost. That's, that's what I personally like anymore. It's a very common trend as well. Uh, Originality is, valued a lot higher than a restoration tractor and usually you just lose your money on it because you spend all this money and time into it and you can't get it back out so it's one of those things but that's that's what i'm really into and yes i mean eventually i would love to have a place where i can utilize them more but right now i'm not really in that situation sure sure oh man that's so interesting like what you say about 
being able to say like, oh yeah, I've touched everything. I know every inch of of this vehicle or this whatever it may be. That is, I'd I'd love to be able to say that about my own truck one day. Like I'd love to say I've replaced every nut and bolt. Ah, and well, I mean, you're definitely getting there. It's just time, and it is, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. It's it's the you know the confidence to at least try it, learn as much as you can, and then basically the best way you can ever learn is just by doing it. But I, I never, cause I did a lot of that. I mean, when we talk about my first rabbit here, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about these cars mm. and I was currently daily driving the thing at the time. And I would just kind of tear it apart on the weekends a little bit and play with this and play with that and learn it or clean little things up, you know, just to, just to see it, to see everything and understand. I like to know how things mechanically work Mm. Uh, all that. I mean, it, it just very much interests me, but it gives me the confidence and that peace of mind. You know, I've never taken a car to a garage. Like I, I, you just, yeah, you just did it. You sound exactly like what I'm doing right now. Like, and have been doing for a while. Yeah. Like just, I'm, I'm not scared of, um, you know, taking the truck to a garage or anything like that. For some reason, um, I just always have, I think it's because I watched the mask. You remember the mask with Jim Carrey? Um, uh, a long, long time ago, yeah. Well, they're in the mask. There's these two mechanics, right? And they are just ripping people off left, right, and center. And and basically, um, Stanley Ipkiss, uh, who's the you know Jim Carrey, goes into this garage and be and he's like, you know, when's my car fixed and stuff like that. And they're talk. They basically just con him. And mm. they, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I watched that film at a very young age. <laughs> and I think going forward now, every time I take something like, like my girlfriend's vehicle to the, to the garage to get an MOT, I think someone's going to fucking mug me off <laughs> because mm. of that um, movie's instilled in me. Like, I just think every mechanic is out there to do me over, but it's not the case. You know, not everyone's out there to do one over on you. Um, yeah. But no, aside from that, like I, I like you, I love, you know, discovering, like you say, how things work and, you know, taking things apart and seeing how to put it back together, back together again. It's it's almost like the engineer brain, if you will, like a lot of engineers, you know, grow up and learning how to take clocks apart and put them back together and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's just, uh, I guess, intuitive and we just want to figure out how stuff works. Um, well, but yeah, they, it's Go generally on. not a very hard concept. It's it's more so just a a multiplied simplistic concept, you know, like an engine. I mean, it's yeah. doing the same thing just throughout how many cylinders and then the repetition of the same motion. It's it's but it is what it is. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. Now you mentioned the rabbit. Um what was your first rabbit? <clears throat> so my first car uh which I had bought basically 2012 end of 2012. Uh, I was graduated high school, started college for about a year or two, and I wanted to buy uh, a vehicle. So my very my very first car was a 1979 two door Rabbit in uh, Galleon Brown. I actually had to hit up Clint last night and re ask really? what the, what the color of my car was because I I just didn't remember at this point. The car was uh, I found it through Vortex. I was looking for basically anything like either mark one or mark two i was back and forth with and i had talked to a couple people uh there was some kids that i went to high school with they were a little above me they had some volkswagens which kind of sparked my interest i guess in a way 
and I had stopped in with Seb Cole, I remember, and he had a, an 84 GTI sitting there, 83 or 84 GTI sitting there that I had looked at. But then I was just searching Vortex at the time and came across this listing, and it was a fairly local car to me. It was a low mileage, uh, early Westy car, 1979 two-door, like I said, brown with tan interior, deluxe car, and it was just kind of an untouched, for the most part, had a lot of paperwork with it, which I liked. And I had actually bought it off of uh, Miranda, who used to date Matt Rad. Miranda. Miranda Vera. Is she? Is, does she have a Mountain Green? No. Oh, she. Um, Miranda. I, I didn't actually listen to his podcast yet, so I don't know if or how much he may have talked about her. But um, she had a couple rabbits at the time. She had some late Westies, and I think there might have been a Scirocco there of her own or a rabbit truck. Uh, okay. I don't remember, but it's been a while. But yeah, I, I bought the car off of her, and it was about probably 30 minutes for me. And like I said, at the time, I really didn't know much of anything. Uh, I, I think I went and looked at it twice or three times, but it was uh, a 1.6 gas with a four-speed. Either she had just done it or somebody right before her had just put a set of coilovers on it, and it had a little bit of work done to it with like a newer exhaust and... Uh, there might have been something else, but I mean, it was just a very clean, kind of untouched, original feeling car. Mm. And that's what I liked and I was looking for. And so that was, like I said, that was my first one. And it, I bought it as a daily driver. And that's exactly what I did with it. I drove it every day and just kind of learned tons of stuff about it. And then, that's yeah. what, you know, started all this. Absolutely. And so you never really grew up. Uh, under the whole umbrella of a Volkswagen. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of people that come on the show, they often say, you know, my dad was a mechanic, my uncle owned this garage or, you know, uh, you know, me and my dad worked on this Volkswagen together and, oh, we've always had Volkswagens in the family. Now, that wasn't the case for you, was it? You, your first Volkswagen was when you, like, when was it? 2012, you say? Yeah. And you went yeah. out onto Vortex and was like, right, I need a Mark One or a Mark Two. Is were you just attracted to older vehicles? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very much attracted to kind of everything older in my life, especially mm -hmm. more so now. But the funny part is that you mentioned that I'd actually found out, like as I had started to look for these cars, but it wasn't necessarily an influence. But my dad did have a couple cars. He had uh, some rabbits and he had a Scirocco. And but back then when he was doing it, I mean, they were extremely cheap throwaway cars that nobody cared anything about. Really? So, yeah. So and, and I'm assuming that was just more in the late 80s, early 90s is when he was doing it. Um, but he still had some parts around my dad. I grew up. Uh, my dad is very mechanical as well, had tons of cars. My grandfather was very much into it more more like hot roddy style stuff i would say mm. but my dad has a very large garage and you know every tool imaginable so i grew up around that luckily and that also very much helped for me to have this mindset that i do as far as can kind of do anything i guess but uh so but he also has tons of parts and there's shelves everywhere and in the upper section where he, we keep some of the stuff there was still like a fender and a radiator and a bunch of hardware and some there's a radio like so it was just funny because I remember seeing all that. And I mean, I still have some of that stuff. I, I you know, never wanted to really get rid of it. It was just kind of cool. 
Mm. But I also used some of it on on some later later cars that I had. But but no, I mean my my upbringing didn't necessarily influence. I guess it was just kind of like I said, seeing some of the cars, but also just really liking the proportions and liking what they seem to be. This little economy <laughs> box, they seem very simple. I liked the colors of them. I liked you know just what I don't know something about it but yeah <laughs> yeah and it's interesting that you mentioned like the over there in the u.s the rabbits uh or the volkswagens the scirocco's and the mark ones they're all they were uh, they were affordable right yes, whereas yes. Uh, over here in the uk uh i'm led to believe that sort of around that same time like the 80s perhaps the 90s volk to own a volkswagen here in the uk was quite not as common it, they, they weren't as affordable and i believe that it's like not the average person could afford one you know over here like the the cars that did really well that were you know affordable for the majority were like you know perhaps fords uh and maybe some other vehicles like a voxel uh some other vehicles that probably didn't make it over to the U us but I think, and this is something that multiple people have come through and from the UK and said, like, you know, probably the reason why there weren't many here is that, you know, they're just, it, you had to have money to have these Volkswagens, hmm. like the Mark 1s especially. Like, they weren't just, like you guys over there, I think they were made very affordable, right, for the, most of the most of the market, right? Uh, Well, I, see, once again, like, I, I don't know how... I don't really know. I know I've seen some advertisements before talking about like the hatchback cars. Now, don't know if it was mm. the two door or four door, but somewhere like being new around like in the four to six thousand dollar range. Um, but then, like I said, when my dad was playing with these, I would assume that was more right around the early 90s, I would guess, late 80s, early 90s. But I mean, and there's always examples, but I think at that point, because he had earlier cars mm. so like you know at that point they were kind of you know what i mean if you get the if you get an early westy you know 1980 era stuff at that point it's kind of getting to the 10 year old mark people are starting to move on or do other things i guess but mm. I mean, he's talked about buying them for like 60 dollars you know what i mean and i don't know 60 dollars yeah i mean he's he's talked about like i guess there was one that he had said how they had bought and he drove it for a little while and then resold it on an auction or whatever and got what he paid for. And he was ecstatic because he drove this car for, for months and didn't end up, you know, spending any money on it. But yeah, like just little things like that. Like, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it was a different time with what things cost as well. Of course. I mean, I, I bought cars for two, $300 yet today. So it's, I don't know, but yeah, as far as what the actual market was and who was driving it, I, I don't know other than the fact that I guess the interest would have been for more of a, you know, a cheaper economy, mm. simplistic car. So, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It's, it's interesting how, you know, and, and this is another thing. I talk about this quite a lot, especially with the with some of the UK guys that I meet, especially if they're new into Volkswagens and they don't know of Westmoreland plant, I have to sort of sort of try and educate people without boring them because I I'm so passionate about the American market and what what you guys got over there. I love it. I love telling the UK guys that haven't got a clue over here. I love it because all all the guys here, well, most of the guys know of just like you know the mark ones the gti's the caddies 
because we call them caddies here and that's it that's 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 it's, we stay in our little bubble here yeah. so yeah. when i first found out about oh my god mountain green look at this and oh my god the square headlights oh my fucking god like <laughs> and i started going down the the rabbit hole although we call it a caddy hole over here um <laughs> we uh i started you know really really loving and enjoying the fact that you know especially with the early Westies, the color schemes, you know, the interior matching the exterior, or just like a, a mix of colors. So, like the mountain green, for example, with the tan interior, or the uh, the Largo blue with the the sort of light blue interior. And mm -hmm. I was, I was, I love explaining this to the UK guys and saying, like, look, over here we just have black interior. Like, check out this picture of this late Westie or early Westie, whatever. I'd be like, look at this. How cool is this? And, you know, look at, oh, it's just, I love it. And they, they sort of lose their minds a little bit when I show them photos because they don't really, I mean, some of them do. Some, some people here are educated with mm -hmm. what happens overseas. But like I said, like a lot of the UK guys just stick to themselves. That's why a lot of people aren't as outgoing, I suppose, and enthusiastic about the Volkswagens and the Mark 1s especially. So, but yeah, I, I love it, mate. I love. What's your favorite um, colors? What's your favorite sort of? Uh, let's go with early Westy first. What's your favorite? Because I understand you've got a mountain green, right? At the moment. Yeah. What's yeah. your favorite color? So I would say. I mean, I'm trying to think. When I when I was into this a lot more than. I always loved mountain green, but then back then they didn't really seem as of a common thing as they do more so now. Mm. But I'm also a, a huge sucker for blue interior, mm. but I don't really want a blue vehicle. So I always liked either the white car with a blue interior, but that's just not super flashy then either as far as the exterior. And so I would more so say early Westie with the tan. But then to me, the tan interior is also kind of a weakness just because it never generally lasts. Well, um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It sort of goes like a pink color. Yeah. Sun. There's just nothing like, like um, you know, when everything's blue, uh, it's mm. just, I don't know. I really do like the blue interior. And when we talk about the, the mountain green and kind of what that is to me, uh, you'll see I, I had debated between a white with with blue interior car and I had talked to a couple people about some because basically what I'm doing with the mountain green uh, is I'm building the what I call the ultimate mark one in really? my opinion yep um, but yeah so yeah I, I, you know I don't know what sequence we want to talk about all this I I, I know we're sort of all over the place which is fine like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely fine we can talk yeah. about the what you've got now and then we can circle back to sort of like your chronological order if you like um but yeah please please do tell us more about this mountain green uh, is right, it a, so it's a hatch right yep so it's a it's a four-door actually which is what okay. i wanted once again because basically the concept of the mountain green came about when i wanted to get back into a mark one but I wanted to like completely build it so that it could be the ultimate daily driver, the ultimate Mark one in my eyes, everything culmination of everything I've learned over the years, put into one car that I basically would build it and then just enjoy it for years to come. So 
I had searched and searched and searched for a mountain green, wanted it to be four door because I want it to be a driver. I want to just have everybody hop in and go, you know, mm. I, I, I want it to be simplistic. So I had bought the car off of a gentleman by the name of Nick Buchman. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been brought up. He's not really into it as much. I don't think anymore, but it was funny because I've actually, the car that I ended up buying, I saw at madness a couple times but he was all the way up from Ohio, around Cleveland, Ohio area. So I bought the car. It was a running and driving uh, 1.5 diesel with a four-speed. And me and him had talked a little bit, gone back and forth. I bought the car, drove up there about five to five and a half hours with a couple buddies. And he had mentioned to me how it had electrical issues. I wasn't too concerned but I didn't really ask too much as far as what that really meant. Mm. So we drove all the way up there, looked at the car and my main concern was to more so find a car with no rust. Uh, I've done a lot of rust repair. It doesn't bother me, but what I really strive for once again, as I kind of mentioned with the tractors is I want to find a car that has the bones and has the color and has the look that I want. And then I want to just do the mechanicals to it. I don't want to get into paint work. I don't want to, you know, I didn't want any of that. So this car checked all those boxes. It was an extremely nice car. He had mentioned about it coming up from California and being in this area, but never actually seeing a winter, just more so being like a, a show car for him, let's say. So I uh, bought the thing, drove it all the way home. Flat to the floor, 80 miles an hour on the four speed with no headlights, taillights, turn signals, wipers, anything. Oh, because, wow. Because of this wiring issue, uh, I had no idea how much fuel was in the tank. I put $20 in it, and we just ran it home. And it did great. It did absolutely great. And then the next day, I pulled the motor out of it instantly, and I started on what I was doing or what my plans were, which is basically – I built one of those uh, plywood tip-over rotisseries for the car. Oh, yeah. So it bolts on the front and back, and it allows you to just tip the car 90 degrees to get access to the underside. So I did that for the car because my what I wanted to do was every nut and bolt on this car was going to get you know gone over. Everything on the underside, I wanted to powder coat or paint. Uh, all new brake lines and fuel lines, all new bushings and bearings, like every single part new as far as you know replaceable part like all new in the back the brakes everything in the front new for the all the suspension and the drive line and then the car was going to be aba swap that's kind of my thing i guess you could say as well a lot of these cars that i've had which we'll talk about they've they've all gone aba because yeah. to me there's just no other alternative they're they're just great motors they're cheap over here they are getting a little harder to find anymore, but I mean, it's a motor that was built for a thousand pound heavier car from the factory. So then you go put it in a rabbit, even if you just keep it simple, you know, maybe do a cam, uh, something small like that. But I mean, they just, they run great. They drive great. So that was the plan for this. So ABA swap. I also wanted to do the full CE2 swap. I wanted to update all the wiring in the car mm. to the late nineties Mark II. So I would just be running then the single fuse block on the driver's side for all my internal components and for now the ABA. Because, I mean, I don't know how much you know about the C2 or 
if you've ever talked with anybody about that. Oh, yeah, it's but, been mentioned many times, and yeah. it's something that I'm actually plat. Well, this is sort of under wraps, but sort of not. Anybody who knows me knows that I want to do an engine swap with the truck, and I want to yeah. do a diesel. Go, I want to go from gasser to diesel, yes. uh, but also I want to upgrade the fuse block. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, um, so, you know, there's basically the two ways to do it more than what's called over here the piggyback or the C2. To me, the way I always tell people, if the car is not really touched or messed with too much, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going piggyback. But in this particular case on this car, the wiring was messed with a lot, and there's a lot of gremlins. And I just, to me, it's just a much better thing because then once again, I get to do all this. I get to route mm -hmm. everything. It keeps it much more simplistic. It's all in one fuse block. It's easier to diagnose. It's just the route that I wanted to go. And it wasn't my first time doing it either. But... um. So, yeah, so full C2 swap car, everything new, ABA swap. Uh, I run the just the largest O2O code transmission. I still run the 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 cable, or the I'm sorry, the, the linkage shifting transmission, just like original, but I was going to update it to a five-speed. Uh, either the FF, FN, or FH code is kind of the longest fifth gear you can get over here, the diesel transmission. Right. So, so I do the ABA with the GTI 210 millimeter clutch, which is just the largest factory surface area you could get. And then I like to always run an FF code transmission. And to me, that's like the secret sauce, the dream <laughs> combination. I mean, cause you, the ABA still has plenty of pep to get you off the line. I'm not building a race car anyway, but it's still, I mean, it'll still uh, spin the tires, especially if you just run the skinny rabbit sealies yet, but yeah. you then get that good highway cruiser fifth. And that's what I really, you know, wanted as well. So, so yeah, I mean, the car is probably 90 to 90, 90 to 95% done. Uh, I had started it in 2018 was when I had bought that worked on it for quite some time. And then kind of when I moved and the car came up here, I had all these plans to get back into it. And then I just kind of snowballed everything else. But so yeah, I mean the 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 motor and everything's in it. All the undersides all done. All the brake lines, all the fuel lines. It has a full uh, stainless steel, brand new Tectonics exhaust on it. But I actually think I'm gonna go back to. I ended up buying a completely new stock Rabbit exhaust for it. In the end, I just I don't know. I I'm kind of an old man anymore with how loud things are and comfortability. So I just wanted to go back to a stock exhaust. Mm. But it's going to get full Dynamat, you know, floor sound deadening. Uh, I do need to buy a new carpet for it. I have all the original interior for it to go back in. The dash was not that great. So I actually have more of a chocolate brown early Westy dash that I was debating on putting in chocolate brown dash and knee bar and then still just running all the rest of the tan components with the door cards and the seats and whatnot. All right. I think that might be a cool alternative just because I don't see that done very often. And no. It gets you away from the, the pinkish looking early Westy tan dashes. Um, I'm not opposed to putting a tan dash back in it, but it's just finding the right one. And I'm personally not very interested in like re-dyeing them or painting them like some people mm -hmm. do. Mm. So it's just one of those things to find a right to find a good dash over here in that configuration anymore can be pretty pricey which also is not really an issue in my mind it's just it's got to be right yeah but um 
so yeah, that's kind of the rundown on that. Uh, the car even has, it's a brand new zero mile crate motor ABA that I found on Craigslist of all places. No way. Um, it was a guy, it was two brothers. Yeah. So I pulled this motor. My buddy actually found the listing. We were sitting around a campfire. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And my buddy sees the listing. It just says zero mile, 2.0 Volkswagen engine. Um, you know, but no photos, super vague, whatever. So I called the number right then and there at 11 o'clock at night. And the guy, some guy answers. He wasn't too happy, but I guess he was out like drinking or something. And I, I don't know. There was a whole mess with it. He kind of came back around then and was all apologetic and um, told me he would get me. Uh, I had asked about seeing the numbers on the block and some other small things. It was about two and a half hours away from talking with him, though. I felt pretty confident that it was what I wanted. So I ended up just running down there and getting it and pulled it out of a 90-year-old lady's garage on an engine stand. And these two brothers apparently bought it years and years ago when Mark IIs were real big and everybody started building Mark IIs and they were going to do a, a turbo ABA, but they bought a brand new crate engine and, but they never did anything with it. So the thing is amazing shape. Um, and that's kind of what I have in there now. So it's, it's even going to start with a zero mile drive line. I tried even finding a brand new trans. Uh, I had one, but it ended up falling through. So that's the transmission is literally the only thing that's not completely new on the car. That is wild. That is what. What about? Sorry. What about the cluster? Does the clock? What does the clocks? Do they have zero 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 as well? If you set no. So I mean, the the original cluster that was from the car. I forget what mileage it read. Now I know Poplin had some some clusters for sale, but I don't think he has what I need. Um, I'm not opposed. Once again, if I find one. Uh, it would be cool to kind of have that, you know, represented as zeros as well and just start the mileage from there. But I'm not so concerned about that just because I know more than, you know, I mean, I, I, I know obviously, and it's just, you can keep record of kind of when it started, but um, it well, would just, be neat. It would be neat though to do that. Yes. Yeah. I just thought, I just thought like, cause obviously over here, some insurance companies, uh, they'll ask you for the mileage on it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and in my case, I think I had to send them a photo, I think. I can't remember. But anyway, I, I could just imagine you <laughs> registering this vehicle and then, you know, signing up to an, with an insurance company and them saying, uh, okay, what's the mileage, sir? And then you say, oh, it's zero, 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 zero. Yeah, yeah, I see. <laughs> When's this car from? Uh, 1980. And it's got zero miles. That's right. Yeah. So over here... <laughs> um, you know, we have the option to antique tag stuff as well, which they're not mm. nearly as, uh, it's weird. They used to be a lot more strict on some things, but they kind of make it too easy. Now I do not plan to antique tag this vehicle because as I mentioned, I I'm building it for a daily driver. So I want to drive it every day. And I mean, I've kind of done that before with antique tag, but it's just not great. In my opinion, I want to follow all the rules i'll get inspected every year and i just want to mm -hmm. do it as a normal car um but yeah i'm just gonna whatever mileage i keep accumulating i'll just uh for registration purposes that's it's honestly super lenient because my mark three the cluster has not worked since i basically bought the thing mm. which is completely on me i just don't i have other clusters here i don't care to fix it but i haven't had uh any of that for quite some time and i think it's red 298 624 for the last 
X amount of years. And I just keep writing that same number down. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, okay, mate. Well, that's, and, and so the, the, the the mountain green, the hatch is, is like you say, 90% there. Yeah. So it's just kind of sitting. I have, like I said, I kind of have two garages and it got the boot from the lower garage, which is more climate controlled where I'm actually working on things currently. It got kicked away to the other garage for now, but um, but yeah, like all the parts for the car are just sitting inside of it and waiting. And I don't want to get rid of it. I still have very much interest to finish it. It's just I've kind of opened up too many other things, and those things took more of a precedence over this. And mm. it's just I'm not going to give up on it. And I want to bring it back. It's just time at this point. So. Sure. I, I've just recently kind of been going through some of my stuff and was deciding on getting rid of some of my extras and this and that and trying to trying to wean things down a little bit because as I mentioned, I I love buying and selling and that's kind of how I did a lot of this over the years to afford some of this stuff too. But I mean I have just have so many parts and and I kind of went through uh, my main stash and just kept realistically what I'm going to need anymore for myself. Mm. And then I have a secondary that kind of has all the, the stuff to still just do the selling and whatnot. But yeah. Was there, is there anything obviously, uh, you know, we've got many listeners listening from America primarily. So mm-hmm. is there any parts or any items that you just cannot get rid of that you'd like to perhaps advertise right now? <laughs> like, if, is there anything um, issue selling or is anything you think, oh, I wonder if anybody would like to buy this? No, I mean, I the thing for me is, honestly, I never really have an issue selling stuff, mm. <laughs> I guess. And that kind of sounds whatever. But uh, the way I view it is or the way I've always done it is I always like to buy fair and I sell fair. Mm. Uh, I know the market's changed and some prices on things. I don't fully agree with all that because I feel that a lot of people within the hobby end up ruining it by getting on these price hype and all this other stuff. Now, once again, the stuff is not as convenient to get anymore. Junkyards aren't keeping these cars. I understand. But at the end of the day, an external hood latch isn't worth $200, but whatever. Um, So that again, $200. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you see guys anymore selling external hood latches for a hundred, $200, depending on condition, whatever else. And that, it's just one of those things to me. Whatever, I I don't get it. But um, wait, is that no, the like, is that the thing that goes? You can open your your hood from the grill. Yeah, yeah. So there's I've two styles: that. the one that has the cable internal in the car, and then the the external, which just has a little a little tab sticking out the grill. So you can just you know from the outside of the car, you can unlatch your hood. I've but, seen uh, that recently. I couldn't get my head around that. Like, yeah, what? I don't really. I mean, that seemed to all take off like. I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, but maybe mm. it was more than that. But no, like I said, so I, I buy and sell a lot. And, and what I like to do is I like to buy everything. I'd go talk to people. It started with like older gentlemen. You know, I would meet them through going to buy a part. We would get to talking. I would end up buying everything they had. And then I would then sell it off. So that gains a couple different things. It gains you knowledge on the parts. It gains you uh, you know, a lot of connections with people that you're selling the stuff to. So that's how I've always met a lot of people. And I've, I've just tried to be very fair in my selling. And usually when I'm selling stuff, 
I mean, if it's, you know, a good item or whatever else, I mean, I sell it within minutes. Like if mm. it doesn't sell within under 30 minutes, there's generally something wrong. Now there are exceptions for everything, but even like this past year at Madness, I kind of, you know, I knew that was coming up. So I had gone through, like I said, all my stuff and I kind of just gathered up a lot of good smalls that people may or may not be looking for. And sadly, we actually got a little bit of rain. So my selling got cut short. But I mean, just in the short amount of time I did, I was just moving everything because, like I said, it was a combination of good items and selling fair. And that's what I've always strived for. So. Mm. And I totally forgot that you you can just there's many, many shows over in America, like Mark one shows, even Mark two shows like there's that Mark two Mayday show. I, yes. I forget that you guys can you, you can sell parts like there and then and there's multiple shows that you can do that i totally forgot because in my head i was like you, you're probably using ebay or facebook marketplace or craigslist or whatever but i totally forgot you could do all these transactions in person and people can see it yeah person. generally generally i just either post stuff on my own story mm. uh or then through groups on facebook i try to stay away from ebay just because of all the fees and other stuff oh, that yeah. they but um but yeah i mean so for me there's a couple different shows that we go to throughout the year that I just really look forward to. And I'll just take a truckload of stuff, you know, and, and keep doing that. And I'm not doing it to get rich. It's just kind of, it was more of an always an opportunity thing. Yeah. Uh, I, there's been so many times where I'd go to look at somebody's parts and they had something I wanted. So then once again, I would buy everything, make all my money back and end up getting that item for free or, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things, but it is kind of cool at this point. Cause I still then get to see all the people sell the stuff, but I'm always still a, a big opportunist with that. I love buying these parts. I love dealing with it. It just takes time or space and whatnot. It's a sacrifice of everything else, but that's one of the reasons why I haven't really gotten a whole lot done this year. I bought a larger parts hoard from a local guy uh, at the beginning of this show season. So I've kind of been spending this whole summer clearing out, where they all were stored selling at local shows and then bringing everything up to my house and then once again sorting everything organizing everything labeling everything trying to keep everything very nicely you know organized up here at my house so i know what i have first of all and i can easily get to things and uh if people are looking for stuff then but generally i just kind of sell as i come across stuff and 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 do a lot at the shows too so yeah Oh, that's great. And I've definitely seen, you know, I've seen a couple of fo photos of, I think there's a photo of you, it must be of you, sh like, with uh, all your parts laid out on the floor. I think you even had, like, the Snowway plow shirt on. Uh, yeah, so that was at Madness. I had taken a, a truckload of stuff there, and yeah, uh, I was wearing my Snowway shirt. But, uh, but yeah. Can we talk about that? Like, because did Jim, yeah. did Jim Kale uh, approach you and say, I want to do a t-shirt with a snow, snowway plow on it? And or how did that happen? So he actually kind of surprised me with it, which was cool. Um, I mean, I'm just very good friends with Jim. Uh, I'm trying to think the very first time we kind of ever interacted. But, you know, I've always been back and forth sharing stuff with each other and this and that. He's just a, a great guy. Uh, but yeah, so he had just kind of sent me, I, well, put it this way. I got a, so once in a while on Facebook, it gives you like the throwback photos, you know, from like five years ago or two years ago, you shared yeah. this. So I got one of those 
And it was with the truck and the plow down at Ocean City, Maryland, H2O. Mm. So I kind of put together a little post like, uh, you know, throwback, like Facebook hit me with the throwback memories. And I, I just shared a bunch of photos. And and then I believe that's what kind of sparked all this for him in a way, because he then obviously utilized one of those photos. But he just sent me a text the one night and he's like, hey, do you like surprises? And I'm like, well, not really. I said, I usually <laughs> like to know what's going on. Yeah. And he, he just, you know, kind of said to me, he's like, well, just trust me on this one. You know, yada, 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 yada. And then um, then he shared the post about the shirt and, and what it looked like and everything like that. It was just super cool. I mean, I, I obviously very much appreciate that. Um, it was a cool concept of getting the plow, obviously, and appreciating what it was. And then obviously now it's on the shirt forever, which is cool. So, yeah, it's, oh, just, yeah, it's awesome. I've got one of those shirts and I, I only recently just, it's a weird, it was really strange. Okay. Let, I'll try and make this really long story really short as I can. But uh, okay. so like a few months back, uh, I was with Aaron who, you know, used to co-host this show with me. And um, we were, you know, trying to message a few people and trying to get some more guests on the show. And uh, he came across uh, Moira's page. This was yeah. months and months ago. Uh, he came across Moira's page and goes, because Aaron, as soon as he saw the snowway plow, he was like, he was like, oh, dude, I've got to have the snow plow because he's from Scotland and he's got okay. a thick accent. Um, and he saw that and he's like, oh, I've got to get the snow plow, snow plow. And um, then we were talking to this guy, Harrison, in, in uh, Nevada. And um, he was like, oh, yeah, the snowway plow, that that was a thing. Like, that was a thing way back, in, you know, you could get those. And mm -hmm. um Anyway, after that, uh, months and months later, I've I, I find uh, Moira's Instagram. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah, there's a snowplow. And then I got her on, and then we discussed, and, re and I did a bunch of research and stuff like that. And, uh, and I totally forgot what my point was. But <laughs> basically, <laughs> I found out about the snowplow. And then, uh, you, know, around, you know, in amongst that time, uh, Jim sent me over the shirt with the snowway plow on it. He mm -hmm. then as well, and I was like, oh, dude, this is so cool. And then, yeah, sorry, it was uh, only until recently when I had Moira on the show, and she pointed out that that snowway plow was based off of that photo that you're talking about. And so I was yep. like, no way. I've had this shirt for ages now. And uh, I get to talk to not only Moira, but now yourself, where that whole graphic came from. And it's, I don't know, things have just come very full circle for me lately in more ways than one. So uh, sorry, no, that was that's so awesome. long-winded. <laughs> no, that's fine. I can tell you. So basically what happened there was I... There used to be a thread on Vortex about like rare parts mm. uh, for Mark One, and there was, I, I think it was actually shared on that forum. There was photos of the plow put together, which I have all these photos. I can send you this stuff then, but um, so I have the photos from that thread or from a thread, but then the plow was for sale on Vortex for quite some time, mm. and I think. At that time, once again, probably I think I had originally seen it in that 2012-13 era because that's when I was on Vortex a lot and I was researching things and seeing things. Mm. So I had seen it then, but I mean, I was 
a completely broke, just out of high school, going to college kid. Like it was just kind of a dream or like it was just one of those things like, whoa, this is cool type of thing. So I'd actually talked with the guy, though. I reached out to him. We talked a little bit. He kind of explained some stuff to me. But obviously it was just still, you know, far away and costly. Um, so kind of always kept it on the back burner, shared a couple, I have a couple original advertisements for it, like, like photos and stuff that they shared and stuff. Mm. Um, so, you know, kind of shared some of those over the years. And then when I had basically graduated college at this point, I was working a little bit and then I had the yellow truck at the time. And I was like, wow, like, I wonder if that's still around or this and that. So I went back to the old Vortex threads, to my messages with that guy, and we talked again. And he basically told me that, you know, he still had it. Uh, the price had actually gone up a little bit now even, but uh, it was just the commitment to, once again, go get it. I want to say it was between seven and eight hours away in a place called Finlay, Ohio. So ended up doing it, uh, me and my buddy Gage. We just hopped in the truck, the, the yellow truck. We drove it all the way out there and picked it up on this little farm, pulled it out of this barn. It was all just sitting on pallets, all torn apart. And he basically told me, the gentleman that I bought it from said that right there in Finlay, Ohio, it was used on a late Westy truck on the dealer lot. Wow. And it was going to, I guess... I don't know if there was a sale or whatnot, but I know he had mentioned about even it being threatened that I guess somebody, whoever had bought it originally or was talking about buying it, they were just going to use the blade for a tractor, actually. But then he saved it or his brother saved it somehow and just kind of sat on it forever then in this barn, but they didn't really do anything about it. He then just kind of shared it through Vortex and, you know, that was it. Mm. So, so yeah, I, I bought the plow brought everything home it was all there it was all complete it just wasn't in a working state at this point but once again it had what i looked for it had the look it had the feeling yet it was definitely you know utilized but not like totally abused or anything and it still had the decals and everything so brought it home and completely 100 percent mechanically went through it i dropped off the the pump and the motor at a local um ag shop near me and they put all new seals and all the the cylinders polished up all the rods the pump was all rebuilt the motor was all rebuilt got some new solenoids for it built a whole new wiring harness for it and yeah i mean so then got it to 100 percent functioning condition and then i had this plan to put it on the truck and take it all down to ocean city which at that time uh, I want to say when, oh, I guess 2016 ish, but, uh, the show was still going on down there mm. in ocean city. It wasn't what it turned into now today. So, but I don't know how much you're aware of ocean city, but I mean, even at this point, it was already starting to become kind of a mess and the cops were cracking down on a lot of things. So, you know, I wanted to do this and, and, and enjoy all this, but I didn't want to go down there and get like thousands of dollars worth of fines. So I even called Ocean City uh, police ahead of time, kind of explained what I was looking to do. And uh, they told me that everything would be fine as long as I have adequate lighting, you know, for nighttime when it's up. Because obviously I'm not going to put it down. But <laughs> the it's, it is kind of funny in the end because the plow, when it's in the up position, 
it basically goes directly in front of the headlights. Yeah. So, um, so I ended up making this little bracket then that what I did was I, uh, so as I mentioned that the plow was actually used on a, a late Westy truck. Now, late Westy trucks on a lot of them have, they just have like a solid rigid mounted front bumper mount. That's more of like a rectangle. Uh, so the bracket originally bolted to that rectangular mount. Mm. Well, on early bumpers, they don't use that style mount. They use more of that gas shock. So I did have to, I, I made kind of my own little uh, bracket to adapt it from my own way of adapting it from the, er, the late bumper to an early bumper. But, you know, it didn't change anything with the plow. I didn't ruin anything. It could all go back, et cetera. I still had the original bumper as well. But then I had made uh, a, a little bracket plate that slipped in between the core support and the, 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 the hood that had two small lights as well. So I have some photos of it on the strip, and there's even a cool nighttime photo that shows those headlights, the normal headlights are on. And then I also had put some raised uh, marker lights on kind of each uh, corner of the, of the bumper, you know, between the headlight and the emblem, let's say, on each side of the grill. So I had uh, vis- more visible turn signals as well. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, we went down there. Didn't have a single issue with anything. I, I took off the bracketry for the most part to drive down there and then just put it on in the parking lot because the other problem was, I mean, I'm driving this truck around in 70 plus degree weather with a major sail in front of the radiator, you know? So the truck truck would get kind of hot too. Yeah. uh, Just because it wasn't ideal operating conditions for it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that's basically a quick summed up version of the, the whole thing, but of course, but yeah. Well, uh, see uh, what happened with this, h2o show because everybody that i talk to who has been to h2o has always said like at some point it just changed and has gone downhill ever since and people have said how like you say the police get involved and it is just the wild wild west what the fuck happened (laughs) what 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 goes on what what can people expect if they go to h2o like well so like I said, I, we don't really go anymore. They just started a, more of a local show to me now. Uh, anyway, it's in Wildwood, New Jersey. It's called Roots Classic, and it kind of has oh, that, yeah. it kind of has that feeling of what the original H2O was. It's respecting, you know, the cars. You're just getting a lot of good people, people that are actually supposed to be there, meets that are actually supposed to happen. So they've kind of started all that up now, which looked like a great show. I ended up not going to it. Just had some other things, but. Um, so yeah, H2O, I mean, that's kind of what it started out as. I I haven't gone for really that long. I want to say that my first year was 2013 or 14. So, but I mean, it was going on way before that, but there actually used to be like a show off Ocean City. And then, but basically guys would just cruise down a little bit ahead of time and get their hotels there and hang out in the parking lots and have little meets and get togethers and stuff like that. But then word got out and all this other stuff and basically non Volkswagen people and, you know, cars, et cetera. They just liked the idea of this little hangout car week down at ocean city. And it just started to get really cluttered. And I guess it was more so that the main issue with any of it was people that 
didn't really respect what it was started coming. And so then, you know, they're just down there having a good time and, you know, hopped in their buddy's car and did whatever. And then it would just turn it into this big, yeah, I don't know. I mean, everything just kind of got way blown out of proportion. And then people were like starting to trash stuff and this and that. And why the cops hate everything so much with it, I don't fully understand. They're okay with other events that go on down there. And generally, the respectful Volkswagen people that are supposed to be there aren't even the problem. Mm. But it just kind of ruined it overall. And I mean, any sort of modified car then when you were down there, they they hiked up all the fines and made it be all like construction zones so they could double and triple and, you know, make make the fines astronomical to try to keep people away. Jesus. So I think it's just anybody that actually really understands and appreciates what it was doesn't really go anymore. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I really don't have all the ins and outs, but I've just seen all that over the years. I mean, we used to go down and take bikes. I mean, it was like the only vacation I would really go on. And it was just fun to kind of take your car down, do the drive. We'd stay at a local friend's condo there. You'd go out on the beach. You'd go get some of the, you know, some of the local food and stuff. And, but yeah, it's just not really a thing anymore. So, oh. Well, thanks for clearing that up for me. Now I sort of I sort of understand a little bit more of you know why people say, you know, it had a peak and then it sort of went downhill and got a bit crazy. Yeah, and I want to say so I'm trying to think like I said, I think 2016 is the year Yeah, 2016 is the year that I took the plow with the truck. And mm. that I would say was probably about the last year that it was still somewhat decent. Um and before that, I had taken my brown car down. Uh, I'm trying to think if I took. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But but yeah, I want to say 2016 was probably about the last pretty good year. Mm. And then from there, it just kind of kept crumbling. Jeez, because if you've got like a, well, a 40-year-old vehicle now, aren't they? They're, these can be very you know special well they are they've these vehicles are very special to us uh maybe not to others but you know we take a lot of care and pride in these mark ones and even the mark twos or even any car enthusiast i would i would assume really does care about what they own and if they take it to a a car show and they sort of have this they know that it there's you know there's trouble brewing and there's fucking hooligans out there and trashing stuff the last thing you want to do is take your pride and joy to somewhere that where it could be a possibility that you could get a brick through your windscreen or something. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I know, I know, I believe, I believe actually Nick, who I mentioned, the guy that I bought my mountain green from. Yeah. Uh, I, that wasn't at H2O. I want to say he went down to the, the Sowo show in Georgia there, maybe. Uh, I've actually never gone, but uh, I, somebody actually stole his early Westie grill or broke it, tried to get it off the car and really, you know, yeah. So like stuff like that really sucks. Oh, see, that's another show that's been mentioned on the show as well on the podcast. Yeah. So I think well. that kind of went through the same thing. It kind of hit a rough period for a little bit, uh, a lot of trashing and people not respecting what it was. I think it's starting to come back now to an extent in a different way, yeah. but well, I've, I've just never gone. It's, it's been kind of far and I don't know, maybe one of these years, but geez, all right. Well, that, uh, what I should say as well is for people listening, we'll we'll put um, like an Instagram carousel post 
mm-hmm. when this show airs and we'll try and get if you could yeah later up later on if you could send me some photos that we've that you've referenced and we can put them in so that people can see what we're talking about on the instagram we'll sort it all out later um, yeah no that's fine because like i said i have i mean maybe i'll even want to do a plow specific one i have so many photos of like like i said i i was as you as well i know you were sharing a lot more of like the tv commercial oh uh, i love the tv commercials I don't, I don't know if you've ever crept on my or gone like way down on my instagram but there was a while back when i was in college where i was sharing i was loving the paper advertisements Ooh. and i was sharing tons of them I, I do the same thing with the tractor stuff now. I have tons of this early literature hanging on my walls, you know, of the advertisements yeah. and showing it. But same thing for the plow. I when I bought the plow, I had seen some of the advertisements. You know, when you just Google image search Snowway snowplow, some stuff comes up. Mm. And but then I dove a little deeper and I found out that they were in some of them were in Popular Mechanics. So I'd actually bought those specific Popular Mechanics magazines. And, um, uh, I have photos of the ads in there and I have a photo of, uh, so, so the plow weighs a significant amount and, you know, it mounts off the front of the vehicle. Mm. So what they actually offered, which I have and gave with the plow when I sold it, it's these aluminum spacer blocks that are supposed to go in the factory strut to kind of help compensate the, the drop oh, from really? the weight of the plow. Yeah. So like I have a photo showing them. Uh, and just a lot of people don't know about that stuff, but I have the photos from the Vortex ad showing kind of how the plow even bolts together. And there's just a lot of that little stuff. But then I have, you know, photos of it at the strip and everything else I did with it. And like I said, I had kept the plow for quite some time after. And what I was actually, what I was planning on doing, I was looking for the car, but kind of ended up deciding against it in the end. But there is one color photo of a Snowway Rabbit snowplow uh, on an Inca Brown early Westy rabbit. So what I was going to do after the H2O show, I ended up selling the yellow truck and then I wanted to put it on a hatch because that's how they showed it in the original advertisement. And I thought it would be cool to even find a two door Inca Brown early Westy, just like they did, and then take it to a couple more local shows and madness and this and that with you know, all the literature on a board and people could see it and whatever history I'd found with it. But I ended up just going against that then. I mean, it was another car to find. And then it would have just been this kind of amazing display piece. But at the same point, like, I don't know. But like I said, I had, I had even reached out with Snowway at the time, trying to learn more about all this and learn mm. what they had offered. And basically, they just told me that in the late 70s, early 80s, they were building plows. They had um, fiberglass and steel blade options, but they were building brackets then specific for cars like Volkswagen, Subaru, Honda, stuff like that, I think. I don't know. I know at least Subaru and Volkswagen, but you know, smaller economy cars, and that's kind of was the concept here. And I tried to find out records on how many they had built or you know, if they kept anything like that. And that's where the 12 number came up. They told me only somewhere around 12 were built even for the rabbit specific configuration. Mm. Uh, I have now seen in doing all this, there was another gentleman on Vortex that used to talk about using one, but I've never actually seen photos of that one. But then since owning mine, 
and then taking it to the show. Some other people had talked to me and I've seen one other, uh, but the, it was actually like bought or kept somewhere in the back room of someplace. And a guy mocked it up on a Subaru, but it's not used in a Volkswagen application. And that's the only other one that I've actually ever seen. So it was one of those things of, you know, what do you value it at? And mm. uh, I mean, I, I, I felt once again, I felt I sold it for a fair price. I think I sold it for $2,800. But I mean, at that point it was a, you know, a one of how many truly existing, completely functional piece yeah that i never actually ended up using it in the snow that's kind of a, a slight regret too i guess it would have been cool <laughs> but but yeah like yeah. you say it's, it was working and running do you know what yep. i mean and yes. and yeah like you say it's it's you know for a fact it's on a, another volkswagen a mark yes. one it's yes. on uh, i think moira has it on I, I don't know if she has it on a particular i think it's the uh slate gray late westy I yeah. could be wrong, uh, but you know, at least it's gone to another Volkswagen owner, and someone can ap- appreciate it. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like um, I feel like I'd be—I don't know about you, but if I had something that was like a Volkswagen only thing, or if I had if I had something, an item which I did cherish, and I was you know a sort of umming and ahhing about selling it and if if i did actually sell something i would want it to go on to i don't know why i give a shit but i would want it to go on to someone who's going to appreciate it do you know what i mean i get the sense that you're similar well yeah no i totally understand and yeah i would say deep at the end of the day i do feel the same way um the way i always view that i've seen i've seen a couple people be like that with cars they sell to they like put a stipulation on who they sell it to for Mm. you know this and that and to me i don't fully agree with that because once you decide to to let that item go you're giving up on it you know yeah so it's one of those things if you don't want anything to potentially happen to it then you wouldn't get rid of it but yes at the end of the day it is cool that you know she obviously appreciates it and still gets it out there and I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, I'm always still going to call it my plow, but, um, but no, it's just neat then even too, like with the shirt and whatever else, you know, it's just, it's awesome. And I appreciate it all. And it's just, yeah. Totally, mate. Do you know any other like Mark one accessories or, uh, attachments or any other things that you could have got? back in the day any other companies that worked with volkswagen like snowway because i know i don't know if you've heard the episode that me and ethan did where it was one of the rabbit history lesson episodes and we talked about well he had a brochure in front of him and he was showing things like the sheepskin seat covers and Mm. the luggage and the roof racks and all the attachments that you could have got for the rabbits and and actually the i think it was a golf brochure brochure hmm. uh, do you know of any others any anything that, uh, you know been re- i don't know of anything as extreme as the plow mm. but that is top tier that is my very... my mountain green had a secondary it had the, the wheel well fuel tank in it i don't know if that was a direct option from them or if that was just an aftermarket thing but that's something that i've seen um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh but, yeah, the, but the, yeah. Are you talking about the the um, like a it's a f- fuel tank that sort of sits in the yes, like a spare wheel. Yep. So that mountain green had that, and it's basically nothing special. It's just a you know a cylinder that 
mounts down in the well, well, like you said, and then there's a hole and then there's a specific kind of Y split, you know, hose that then connects both the main tank and the secondary tank just into the same fill. Um, but yeah, that's about all I know. I know I have a book here. I don't know if it's the book that you were referring to or not, but I'll send you a photo of that as well when we're done. Sure. It just has tons of information of the on these cars in it. Oh, that'd be cool. But yeah. I remember I remember um it was a few months ago now. I saw uh someone here on the island where where we live. Someone's ha someone had a type one is it an, a one eight one, the thing? Um they had one of these and it was like an army spec, like military mm. spec. Yeah. And um, it had like rifle holders, uh, you know, emergency kits, like uh, first aid kits and stuff like that. But I remember distinctly seeing the uh, that fuel tank that you mentioned inside the spare wheel. And I saw that and it's got the Volkswagen embossed logo in there. And I was like, holy shit, this is... This is a, and it had the part number on it. And I was like, oh man, is this just a military spec thing? I didn't, I, anybody wants to check it out. It's on my YouTube channel and the Monster Rabbit YouTube thing. And you can check out that it's like a military type one. I think it's a 181. It probably is. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, I saw it there and it was very cool. Very I don't know. I don't know much about any, any of that stuff. I know I've seen kind of what you're talking about with the, the, the military spec, but I'm not up and up on the things or oh, any maybe. sort of air cool beetle stuff, bus stuff. I, I just always kind of stuck to what I did. And even sure. within that, I mean, I never really dove too, too deep into the history. I just had an appreciation for it being, you know, Pennsylvania, the round or the square headlight stuff, USA built, and then just more of a liking to the early Westie. Cause I mean, I'll admit, even when I bought my Brown car, I was doing research at the time and I remember looking at a couple round headlight cars, 77 and whatnot, but like, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really understand the significance, I guess you could call it. Mm. I just, I, I knew it was different and I thought it was cooler. I liked the proportions of it all, but I, I, but what I was really drawn to personally over a late Westie car, which I don't really, I mean, I, I appreciate it all. And my sport truck is, is late, but I love early interior. Like I, I love the look of the early interiors over the late personally. Mm. So that's, that's where it really got me, but just the proportions of the square headlights with the, the non corner marker, having the actual, like the early Westie, you know, the more rounded edge chrome bumpers with the turn signals in them, like all that stuff, the, the deluxe cars with the chrome trim on, you know, all the dash components and then the mm. grill, like I'm a deluxe early Westie, weirdo like those grills <laughs> i've had so many of those grills that was like my weakness at any flea market if we saw them i would just buy them but oh the deluxe like, grill yeah because all the cars i've ever had were deluxe other than one uh well no i'm sorry the the yellow truck was non-deluxe and i had a red on red early westy that was non-deluxe but oh. my brown car was deluxe this early westy is another early westy i had um or sorry this mountain green is i had another mountain green for a little that was deluxe as well but I'm just, uh, I've always been into those specifically, like I said, kind of that niche and, yeah. you know, but yeah, I, I totally up respect that. And it's funny. It was only that episode I did with Ethan, the history, the rabbit history lesson, where he said that the deluxe grills actually never came on the trucks, even the LX trucks. 
Yes. They, it was only the, the cars, the rabbits that had mm-hmm. the deluxe grill, which I thought was that sort of confused me because I've seen many, many trucks with deluxe grills. And I just, yeah. I just figured they came with them. But no, I, I guess people just bought them and replaced what. Yeah, that's another little pet peeve of mine. But I once again, it's one of those things I I get it because personally, I love the look myself. But Mm. I just also like respecting what it was or how it came. But it is what it is. Oh, wow. That's that's cool. That's that's interesting. So, okay, what do you think about because I know you're doing an engine swap with your the mountain green. Are Mm -hmm. you sort of more for keeping the uh, the vehicle as an original as it can be or are you sort of for customization and, and modification and stuff like that what are you where do you stand um so i'm kind of an in between what i like is i like that feeling of originality you know respect for how it was mm. and appreciation for how it was but on the same end i do like a little bit of a, a, an updated drive line a modernization there but once again, then what I try to strive for, like my brown car is an example, that ended up uh, ABA as well. And but what I what I went for there was just very of an OEM feeling swap. You know, do it that it looks like it could have been. So uh, the one six that was in the car had some wiring. That was actually a mechanical fuel injection car, like an early CIS true mechanical fuel injection car, mm. and. It had a lot of wires and sensors, but you know when I when I did the swap on that, even like I I route all the wiring or hide it in a little bit of a way that it's it's just very clean, doesn't overdo it in the bay. I like to update all my uh, battery cables to like the Mark III styled end, so it fits with the new updated motor, but yet you know it's still a Volkswagen product. Mm-hmm. Like all the factory coatings on things is how I like it, but just more so. I've never gone down that like show road necessarily my brown car was just a i tried to strive for a very clean nicely done swap that had a very oem feel Mm. you know and i and like i said i like to do that with all my stuff um but like especially on the tractor stuff now i am getting a little bit of a a weirdo where like you know the period style clamps and all that i want that all to be there the correct carburetor the correct magneto the correct doing like the cloth wrapped you know plug wires like all that little stuff because even if you mechanically go over it, I kind of want it to look like it wasn't. And that same feeling for the cars as well. And I'm doing kind of the similar feel for uh, the Mountain Green here. It's just going to be a very clean OEM feeling engine bay. And that's kind of how all my cars have been, mainly also because the brown car, as I mentioned, was very kind of a low mileage, untouched, original feeling car. It's kind of what I've always had. I've never really had something that, uh, lended to a lot of modification until mm. I had bought, uh, I had bought a caged rabbit shell in 2014. I called it my cage car, and that was just from a, a gentleman right down the road from my parents. Actually, he just caught my eye because he had a couple of these cars sitting out. I stopped in the one day. We talked for a little. He got into them because he used to deliver newspapers in them, so he liked them for the fuel economy and whatnot. And he was mainly a diesel guy. But there was this round headlight, caged, completely sandblasted, primered, you know, stripped down rabbit shell sitting there on like a dolly and got to talking with him. And he ended up saying about selling it. 
And my goal with that car, because it was such an untouched, you know, clean slate start over car in, in theory, that was going to be the car that I wanted to, I was going to do a, a turboed 16 valve build on it. And I had some cool wheels for it. And I had learned how to do fiberglass work in college. And I was going to make my own uh, kind of fiberglass overlay uh, wider fenders for it and do all this cool custom paint work of like a hand painted livery style thing and all these ideas that I had because there was like no rules with it, you know, but yeah, all my yeah. other stuff was, it was, it was almost too clean of a, of, of a base that I, I, I just very much respected it, how it was at the same point, but I, I didn't want to go too deep down that modification route on some of these cars. Yeah. I totally get that because uh, I don't know if you you've seen. I used to have a, a UK Mark One Caddy, yeah, yeah, and that was already fucked. Like from the previous owners, uh, it's or it already had an engine swap. Uh, I say fucked. It wasn't totally fucked. It it, it had a lot of rot, uh, so I had a lot of welding done to it, like three over three thousand pounds worth of welding done to it uh and many other things but it had modifications left right and center so i felt like if i did anything to it like i wouldn't be disrespecting it because it's already fucking molested do you know yeah. what i mean yeah. whereas yeah. you know now i've got this this mountain green truck i don't really want to fuck around with it too much well and i i personally i think you know i because i had listened to some I of those think... and you had talked about painting the other truck and making it more look like the mountain green early westy feel and i think the route yeah. you went with you'll very much more uh appreciate and i think it's it's awesome just because of you're being interested in these cars anyway so then there you have the real deal i have the um, real deal yeah, yeah. i love which i love i love that i could say i can say i have i have a legitimate mountain green american imported early westy not and like a you said too the cool part now is you're learning you're going to, yeah. you know, pick at everything. You're going to go over every ounce of it. Yeah. So in, in eventually, you know, it'll just be that driver and then tinker, you know, this and that. You just do oil changes, whatever. But, like, it, it gets to that simplicity point, and that's the beauty of it all. Like, you know, more so when it's quote-unquote done, let's say, I guess. Yeah. But you're kind of still in the learning stage and, and just kind of cleaning everything, going over it. You know, I saw you did the paint stuff and this and that. Like, all that, I've. I, I've gone through all that as well. You know, the, the brown car, when I first got it, it looked like a chalkboard. It was really? that dull. And I just learned and looked up, you know, buffing these cars out. And I buffed that car by hand numerous times and brought the paint back out. And it was still just the single stage. But, you know, it, it, it completely transformed the look of the car. And it's oh, just yeah. all that little stuff is just the appreciation for it. For sure, man. For sure. Uh, listen, we'll, uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a short break here and yeah. then we'll come back and we'll perhaps go over some of the, the vehicles that you've owned in sort of like a chronological order. All like right. We said, is that cool? And we'll, uh, we'll just uh, have a little break now, yeah? Yep. Sounds good. All right, guys. We'll be right back after this. Today's episode of the Monster Rabbit Podcast is brought to you by Eurosummit Invitational. Eurosummit returns this year to Tannersville, New York on October 1st and 2nd, 2022 for its sixth annual two-day event. 
Tannersville is a beautiful small town nestled in the heart of the Catskill Mountains as the cool, crisp fall air starts to make its presence known and the leaves on the trees change from green to combinations of fiery red, yellow and orange. There is never any shortage of incredible scenery. The area offers mountain views, twisty roads and vibrantly coloured historical buildings which are home to some of the best small cafes and restaurants upstate New York has to offer. Euro Summit will once again have some amazing food on site at the main event thanks to Jesse's Harvest House of Tannersville. At Euro Summit, you will see hand-picked selection of show cars while the makes and models on display will vary the show is heavily rooted in early water-cooled volkswagens from some of the rarest production models volkswagen audi has to offer to imported vehicles that were never offered on sale here in the us to some of the most extensively modified european cars the country in the country <laughs> Any, any avid car enthusiast is sure to have a great weekend. With the wide variety of show cars, sponsor exhibits, vendors, raffles, amazing food, trivia and games, this one-of-a-kind family-friendly event is one you surely do not want to miss. And you can go to eurosummitinvitational.com for more information. If you'd like to support me and what I do here on the podcast and the YouTube channel, then please go to themonsterrabbit.com and get yourself a t-shirt or a hoodie. Some of the designs I think you're really going to enjoy. Now, back to today's episode. Let's go over some of the, uh, the vehicles that you've owned in the past. So... We started with the brown truck. Uh, sorry, the brown rabbit. This is a 1979, right? Yes. Two-door, hatchback, brown car with tan interior. Deluxe. Early Del- Westy Deluxe. Amazing. And that was um, your first rabbit. Yep. 2012. Yep. So I drove that for a little bit. Like I said, I was going to college. Uh, I mean, I would drive that car. I'm trying to think when I... I was doing at that time, I was just doing uh, local community college, but I would mm-hmm. drive it anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes and then just to work and whatnot. But I kind of started to realize about maybe getting a second car. I mean, it all, it always kind of stems, you know, you start doing this stuff and then you want another one or this and that. But so the next car I bought in 2013 was actually um, a Mark II. It was a Mark II Jetta, a 1988 white Mark II Jetta. It was kind of a little train wreck car. It, it had a uh, just a 1.8 gas engine in it. And I'm trying to think, I think it even had, it had a round grill on it with big bumpers on it and all this other stuff. But with it being, it was actually a small bumper car. There was all this like nightmare stuff with it. So I took it all back to kind of USA you know, small bumper stuff. And then I even did the, the Westy style front grill on it and kept the one eight in it. I just kind of cleaned everything up, kept it as a driver, didn't end up swapping it. I did though full C two swap that car as well. 
Okay. Even though it was just the Mark II, the wiring in it was a was just a nightmare. So that was that was my first uh, CE2 swap. But uh, CE2 swap that early that da- uh, the the early grill, like I mentioned, I even put like earlier interior in it. There's like a like a I don't know what what it's called. It's like a rougher blue earlier Mark II interior had that in it, and just drove that thing for a while. And then in 2014, I bought this cage car project that I had mentioned, which, like I said, that basically I had all these big plans for it. I had started acquiring parts for it. The original plan was to basically build it for like as cheap as I could through these part outs and opportunities and just kind of, you know, keep it fun, keep it simple. But uh, I ended up after I ended up selling the brown car in 2016 ish mm. 2017 i um i ended up really starting to build the cage car but then kind of the same thing happened then like i was building the cage car then the mountain green came about and it kind of all hit the back burner and then it basically just led to where we are here today which now i've also since sold the cage car um was kind of a that was just within this past year I decided okay. to do that. I've had it sitting around here at my current house and still had like tons of amazing parts for it. And I had so many motor parts and I had bought the turbo and I had the full standalone system for it. I was going to do a full micro squirt standalone fuel injection system for it. And I had transmissions and clutches and uh, I had a set of Ronald racing wheels for it and like all this awesome stuff in my opinion. But, um, I just kind of started to realize that at this point, I'm just very much content with the mountain green and my sport truck, which I'll get to for now. And I just, to go down the road of actually building that cage car at this point, probably wasn't going to happen. And I just also then started to realize kind of all of the, the money I had sitting around, not necessarily what I had into it. Cause like mm-hmm. I said, a lot of it came from these opportunities, but just in general, you know, the parts and what they're worth. So between realizing that and then also wanting to free up the garage space, I ended up letting it go, which I actually sold it to uh, Billy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, so but he actually didn't know that, which was kind of funny. I don't know if you've been told this at all. But um, so Billy has always joked about the cage car. I mean, he like he's always expressed interest in it. Put it that way. It just there is something about it, I guess. I don't know. But. Um, so when I decided to sell it, I had contacted him and before I had even posted or anything, see if he'd have any interest and he, he very much wanted it, but, um, he's going to be getting married here and, you know, I guess just finances and everything else on his mind, he ended up bowing out of it. Well, Clint actually hit me up, uh, right around that same time. Cause I guess Billy was talking to Clint, you know, they were all talking on the back end and Clint goes, Hey. We're all going to chip in and buy him the car as a wedding gift. So what I ended up doing was I kept it all rolling on my story. Like I made it seem like I had posted the car up then at this point. I made it seem like somebody bought it. I shared me pulling out the motor. I shared me stripping it all back to a stock shell. And I just made it look like it's going away. You know, so Billy was like super bummed because he obviously just, couldn't couldn't take that on right now and no the car that he wanted was going away and then um 
I believe Clint ended up telling him right before Madness here, and then we obviously, you know, talked about it when we were there. But so that's super cool, uh, just because it's going to be going to him. He has all these ideas for it, which is neat, and you know, similar concept to like what you talked about, with, you know, with the plow. Like it's going to get, yeah, you know, done up for somebody else that also appreciates it and and will probably actually keep it. I had originally always just talked about keeping the shell and like putting it in the backyard or I joked about throwing it up in a tree or something like, (laughs) but I just, once again, it's one of those things and, and I just moved it on. But, um, so yeah, that I had bought, like I said, 2014, I actually sold it in 2015 when I had no money going to college. Mm. And then after I then bought the yellow truck, which I'll talk about, I actually hit the guy back up and bought the cage car back. Um, so it's kind of bounced in and out of my life a little bit, but now at this point I did, uh, separate the ties from it. So that was that, um, in 2015 is when I bought the yellow truck, which was a 1980 Sunbright yellow tan interior. Um, it was a gas truck, but none of that was in it at the time. This was just another kind of oddball scenario. I had a local friend who, well, he was actually friends with the guy that I bought the cage car from. Okay. And so this truck, I had seen this truck a couple times in this barn, and this kid was building it. He was going to do a Mark II diesel engine in it, and he didn't really care about the color or anything. He was just going to bomb this thing flat black and do some Mark II interior in it, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And... um but it was funny because I had done some side work for him and he actually bought the one motor out of a Mark II that I had parted out. So I had already acquired the dash and the seats from the Sunbright yellow truck, the tan, all the tan components, mm. because he wasn't going to run them anyway. So I had these parts and then some things came up for him and this and that and we ended up working out a deal. And so I bought the 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 truck off of him now this truck is very peculiar peculiar i guess you could say um i actually bought it to to cut it up to part it out really because the entire front end of the truck was bolted together um and obviously mark ones aren't like that (laughs) so for whatever reason, I don't know how or who did it or what the deal was. I was told that he bought the truck, well, actually off the guy I bought the cage car from as well, but that guy saved it from the scrapyard. It was sitting at some scrapyard, and this guy knew whoever, or they owed him some money, and he ended up getting the truck, and then ended up selling it to this kid, who then I got it from. But the entire truck the strut towers on both sides of the truck in the front and the back of the strut towers were bolted in but they were bolted in from another yellow truck so what's super weird is you know when you when you bolt a vehicle together like that you obviously have to overlap the flanges because you need the material to pass through so Somebody cut up another yellow truck in the proper order that they could then overlap and bolt together between the, you know, basically the firewall, the strut towers, and the core support. And so, like, 
I mean, I've never seen anything like this. And the amount of work that was done and how they even did it and got everything that correct is like truly mind-blowing in my opinion. That's um, weird. Because, and that's what I was getting at. So when I first saw that, I'm like, there's no way this thing is straight or, you know, I mean, it just seemed like a, a train wreck. Um, but I got it home and I started measuring and I started fitting some panels and it was right. And I'm just like, this is a total mind screw. So I actually ended up saving it. I guess you could call it. I, um, I replaced a lot of the hardware and then I welded a lot of the seams, uh, and had to do a little bit of rust repair on it. There was also a lot of sections of the truck that were already spray painted. So I had wet sanded all that back off and got it all back to the original yellow. Um, and then that oh, they truck, sprayed it black. Yeah, they had spray painted the truck black in some spots. There was also a bunch <clears> of like little weird grinder marks on the front. I, I don't know if there was just a couple speckles of rust that they then like took a grinder to it and they sprayed it with spray paint just so it wouldn't rust again or what. Mm. But like the doors were kind of like that and the front end was kind of like that and so it was just this whole weird cluster, but I decided to try to save it. I see two swap that as well with the, the dream combination of the ABA, the GTI clutch setup and the FF trans. And I daily drove that truck then for, um, however long I'm trying to think, well, once again, see, here's the funny part. When I look back on this, I kind of, I went back and took some notes as far as to, to really get my, my timeline correct. Yeah. And I did a lot of things in a very short period of time. It seems like, like, Pretty much from like 2013, basically, the end of 2012, early 2013 to 2016 is like when all this was happening. And it's just wild looking back. Like, I get, I don't know. It's just weird. But so I daily drove the truck. At that point, I was going to college about two hours north of my parents' house. And every single weekend, I would take it up and bring it back down because I would still work local to my parents. And, um, so for that whole time of owning the truck, I mean, it, it got uh, driven up north two hours and back every single weekend, and it, it did great. I mean, it was there was no reason it shouldn't, but it it that truck, it was kind of a cluster, but yet so many people really liked it for some reason, which then is also what led to me selling it, because uh, basically I had just been approached uh, Garrett Rabbit Droppings, if you know who oh, I mean. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. So he ended up contacted me about the truck and there was some controversy in the end over the thing but he never even looked at it and he just kind of threw out an offer said he really wanted it because he has that other sunbright build and uh so he ended up buying it he had it for a little bit and then sold it off and uh it bounced around for a little bit it got a bigger motor in it but um but yeah i mean that was basically that but i i there's something about that truck i really do kind of miss in a way it was just a lot of fun and it was a big learning experience for me with everything. And I don't know. I just, I still remember like the smells and the sounds of it, like driving it. It was very gutted and it had a very gutted feel. Um, but I had actually driven that truck all the way up to Clint. Uh, me and Gage, once again, my buddy, is, he's retired 597 on Instagram. Um, he's kind of like me though, in a way. He's, he still has some Volkswagens and respects it, but we're just not, you know, he's not as into it anymore mm. uh, as far as sharing everything and whatnot. But me and him 
drove this truck all the way up to Clint and Selco's place about five, five and a half hours. Oh, this is I, when Clint was living in Massachusetts. Yeah, this is when Clint was still back in Massachusetts. I'd actually bought the I bought I, I drove all the way up there to buy a 1980 early Westy rear bench seat. And then that's what I ended up putting in the truck. I did a bench seat mount. I made nice. my own mounts and my own brackets. And I put a bench seat in the yellow truck, but it was a period correct, exactly. you know, proper yeah. colored feel. So obviously it wasn't supposed to be there, but to the average person that wouldn't know, it would all kind of fit, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did that on the truck. I had also put a, I remember I'm a big flea market yard sale guy. I grew up going to all that. And I still, to this day, I mean, during the summer, spring, fall months, I mean, every weekend we're pretty much running somewhere, but there was a small yard sale outside of a local town to me the one day. And there was this large framed like print of like a, um, a wooded scenery. It was kind of like a fall, you know, the, the colored orange, yellow, red leaves, in the woods with like a stream and the trees everywhere. And so I actually bought this. It was a print. It was like a, like a, you know, a picture frame. Yeah. And I don't know what size it was, but it was about the size of a truck ceiling. So I actually bought this print and I trimmed it all out and I fit the print up in the headliner of the truck. No way. (laughs) And I had it all like pinched in between the seams and the, so when you were driving the truck or in the truck, I mean, if you'd look up, it was like this fall time wooded scenery. Uh, I have photos of that too, but like stuff like that was real cool. I just liked all that. And then I had also made a custom rear bumper for the truck, which I used as well, uh, an early Westie hatchback rear bumper. So, because, you know, the trucks, the trucks always, they never have a chrome or I'm sorry, they do have a chrome rear bumper, but um, there were two piece. Well, yeah, some yeah. So of it's like the three piece, piece bumper. So what I ended up doing was mm. I actually I took a early Westie, you know, the same look and feel early Westie chrome bumper, but a rabbit hatchback rear bumper. And I still cut it and made it two piece. But I also then shortened the brackets. So it was tucked a little bit closer to the body because I had also compressed the, the front gas struts for the front bumper. Mm. So the front bumper was tucked closer to the core support and I did the same look and gap for the rear bumper. But then since I started with a one piece bumper, I could cut it wherever I wanted. So I actually cut it. So it was a lot tighter on the license plate as well. And I did all that because then I actually had the bumper overlap the license plate markers even. So the bumper was like, there was all this modification done for an end result that looked no different than it was for the most part, unless you really knew what you were looking at. Sure. Um, So I just remember doing that too. And it was funny because after Garrett sold the truck, I remember uh, John who he sold it to, uh, he he contacted me. He's like, everybody wants to buy this rear bumper and I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) It was just kind of funny, but uh, I've always liked doing stuff like that too, to an extent. The truck was kind of along those lines. Like you talked about, like, it was just very much like a, it was very much hacked up in a way. And there was kind of, I wanted to kind of keep that original feel. I always have just ran, um, you know, a factory rabbit steely with a skinny white wall tire, mm. uh, 155, 80, 13. That's the look I always like. I like to, to lower them just a little bit to get, to take up a little wheel gap, but I like running that factory look and feel. 
and with the skinny white wall and the sun bright yellow truck and like the chrome bumpers and the bench like everything it just had that very you know original feel to it but yet it was all like kind of customized in a way too but yet you wouldn't know it if you didn't know of course um, of course and i'd love to share if you've like i said if you've got some photos of yep, yep. I all, photos of that, of all that I'd, stuff. I'd love to i'd love to share that that sounds amazing um so then the truck that was like i said 2015 took it to h2o with the plow in 2016 um at the when we came back from ocean city that year i had then bought a 1994 uh volkswagen golf so a mark three golf first year in what's called turkish green metallic so it's a one-year only color kind of an earlier mark three feel um that my buddy Evan had, Evan 88 VW. I think he's been talked about on here a little bit. He has a Bally Green uh, Rabbit, and he's got an Indian Red Jetta. But he's a Mark III boy at heart, and mm. he had this car and ended up wanting to sell it for some reason, which he heavily regrets to this day. <laughs> but um, So I still have that, and I actually still drive that daily right now because my uh, my Mountain Green is not done yet, and my sport truck, which I'll get to, is currently being under surgery i guess you could say Ooh. um so i bought the mark three and that's just a four-door golf you know like i said nothing fancy aba five speed just a driver but um it's kind of the car that i'll probably just keep around forever as like a winter beater or something to to keep the as much as i want to still drive the mountain green obviously with all the time and work i've put into it i probably won't run it through the winters uh, I'll just enjoy it more in the fall, spring, summer. Because I was gonna, yeah, I was to, gonna to, say to drive the to drive the cheaper Mark III, even though they they're horrible with rust in the winter and the salt. I would rather you know something stupid happen to that if I slip on some ice or something versus this car that's not as easily replaceable. Yeah, uh, so that's kind of my plan there. But then 2018, I bought the sport truck, which was it's a 1981 black sport truck and my buddy uh hunter had bought the truck he'd actually bought a couple different trucks which i had bought from him in the end i don't i don't count them on my list because they were mainly just either flips or part outs in the end Mm. um they're not like the main vehicles i had but hunter had this sport truck he had just bought it on a whim kind of he was from like another friend group i had I kind of have like a couple different groups of friends that are into different things, but Hunter yeah. bought this truck, told me about it. I came and looked at it and he didn't even say it was a sport truck though. So I thought that was real cool. But right away I, I popped the hood and I'm, I can look right through the strut towers and I'm like, Whoa, like this <laughs> thing is extremely rusty. And I mean, he, he didn't really like know anything about that stuff and he didn't even really look, I guess. So he just bought this truck knowing it was a rabbit truck, you know? And mm. uh, I was like, well, you got to fix this thing. I mean, this is truly really, really bad. So he had started to work on the truck a little bit, but he didn't really have any of the tooling and whatnot to do any of that. Uh, so I would go over and help him a little bit. We pulled the motor and, uh, and started to go down the road of replacing the strut towers on it. He'd even bought some replacement strut towers. He was going to do all that kind of fell into some things uh the house where he was building the truck his parents ended up we were going to move he needed the truck gone so he hit me up and said hey 
you know, I know you have the knowledge to do this stuff and the parts, like I want you to buy the truck and just get it going for yourself, obviously, whatever else. And I, I passed on it at the time. Like I didn't really want it. I didn't really want another project. I, I did have the parts and the knowledge to do it. It wasn't really that it was just to get into something else at the time. And mm. uh, so I, I passed on it like twice. And I think he ended up offering, I mean, at the whole time here, he was only offering it to me for like $600. And uh, Fucking hell. <laughs> I just, I, I just kept passing on. It. And then eventually I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll do it. I'll take it on. So the cool thing about the sport truck was I always just kept it kind of what it was. Um, so Hunter never actually started cutting up the truck at this point. So what I did was brought it home. I pounded away all the, you know, the rust and whatnot. Like I, I, I really looked the thing over and, and checked what was actually rotten and what wasn't, you know, chipped away at all the, the garbage material. And I ended up just like, uh, basically caging the truck in a way I, I braced it more through bars and some plates, but I, I did the strut and the engine bay in a very exposed manner so i kept all the holes but i put the strength back in it mm. so um i felt very confident in the fix it just wasn't very common to what a lot of people did you know but i didn't really want to spend all this time restoring the truck or, or patching it all back in completely i i just wanted to get it back on the road and, and make it feel somewhat safe so um i did all that threw a completely unknown ABA in it with just um, an actual, just an old four speed I had from my Brown car when I had swapped that and an unsprung racing clutch that I had in a part out from or a parts hoard that I bought from who knows when there was no numbers on this clutch. It was just in a bag, no springs, no anything, but it was the proper size disc. And I just threw it all together and did a piggyback wiring system on it. And then I just drove it and I basically daily drove that for three years or so. And then, uh, just last year, I then decided to actually like fix the truck and make it something a little bit better. Cause it was, it was starting to get a little sketchy in a way actually, but like in a good way, I mean, it was just fun at the end mm -hmm. of the day. But, um, so I had bought a, um, a whole donor car. I bought another late Westy four-door hatchback car that I was then going to use as a graft-in donor car for the sport truck. So then I cut the entire sport truck at all the factory seams at the front windshield and at the rear of the floor. Now, I did have to cut through the pillars, but I basically then cut the donor car to match, and I grafted in the entire core support, strut towers, firewall, and floor all in one chunk from the wow. donor car into now the sport truck. Is, is um, that what people call like a front clip? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it would classify as that. I've seen people fix these a lot of different ways. Yeah. Some people just cut them off at the strut towers and fix them that way. Some people, you know, may just do a front core support, whether they're changing out to a different grill application or just fixing rust. I know Clint's fixed a couple of vehicles kind of along the way I've I'm doing it, but he's also cut through the pillars on the side of the windshield and brought the whole lower tray in. I ended up undoing all those spot welds and all the factory applications. So I, cause I didn't want to 
mess up any of my original paint that I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to blend the lower rocker back in where I, I grafted everything in. And the front core support's not the same color. But I have the whole truck back together now. And it's pretty much all welded. And I have the motor and everything sitting back in it. But I just have a, a bunch of little like detail work to finish up. And there was a couple things that I wasn't expecting to get into that have kind of mentally stopped me from the project. The donor car I used was very solid in the areas I needed it to be. But then it had its own rust a little bit in some other areas. So after all this work I did to combat the rust, I then still had to do some rust repair. But just like some simple floor stuff. So it's nothing major, but, you know, after doing everything else, that was like the last thing I wanted to do. So I, I kind of got away from that a little bit, but I've just now started working on it here again over the last couple of weeks. All right. And I'm going to try to strive to get that done for the end of the year here sometime so I can start enjoying it again next year. But so, like I said, that's a late Westie. And what I ended up doing with the sport truck, it didn't have any of the original interior. They have a specific seat and all this other stuff but um it did not have any of that so what i ended up doing was i kind of did like a gti version tie-in with the sport truck so i did the the gti badged steering wheel all the red stripe components with the dash the door cards and such gti uh you know front bucket seats and then i did the gti grill on the front and the gti front valence so it's kind of this cool combination now with it being a true sport truck and then also kind of tying in the gti hatchback uh because i really love gti's personally even though i'm more of an early westy guy sure so yeah so that's that that's kind of coming to an end like i said uh after i had bought the sport truck i kind of talked about the whole life of the sport truck in a way but shortly after i bought the sport truck in 2018 also in 2018, we were camping at a campground about uh, about an hour north of me. There's a local amusement park up there called Knobles. I think Chad also just talked about it. Right. Um, so we had gone up there to stay, but Knobles has their own campground that you can stay at to then go over to the park. But they were all full. So me and two friends stayed at this random little campground on the outskirts of it was about 15 minutes away from the park. And we stayed there. Uh, We got up there, I think, Friday night. And then we went over to the park for Saturday, you know, during the day. And when we came back that afternoon from the park, I pulled into the campground. And when I got there that Friday night, you know, the night prior, it was dark. So I couldn't really see a whole lot. So Saturday when we came back from the park, it was daylight. And there was like a lot of like old trucks and tractors and everything just like scattered all around this campground it was kind of odd and so that obviously caught my eye and i was looking around and right as we pull in i'm looking and off to the right there's a 1980 mountain green four-door rabbit just sitting in the woods um so just to clarify this is not my other mountain green i actually had two of them for a little bit but i randomly found this mountain green four-door just tucked away in the woods at this campground oh really yeah and um so obviously like right away i'm like freaking out because i'm like (laughs) like who owns this i gotta find out and this and that so i'm 
I'm just knocking on random camper doors there and they're telling me that the owner of the campground owns it and they told me his name. He wasn't around, but I got all his information. And long story short, I ended up buying it here. He used to drive the car. Uh, he was a teacher. And then it just ended up parking in the 90s somewhere, the late 90s. It, it had ran away on him, the diesel motor. Um, it had the, you know, the diesel runaway with him. And uh, I guess he had tried to fix some things or whatever, but then he ended up just parking it. And uh, I forget what, I, I want to say the sticker on the windshield was either 93 or 98 that it was parked. Uh, since it was parked but um car was pretty rough condition it wasn't really rusty but the windows were down a little bit so a lot of critters had moved in and some bees and um Ooh. you know the rain and um but it had a lot of potential yet so i ended up bringing it home i think i paid 300 dollars for it no way and uh yeah and then um I don't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it at the time. I just cleaned it up a little bit. It was all the tan interior. I sat on the car for a little bit, uh, but then I kind of led to the other mountain green, which I've already talked about. I ended up acquiring that one to build more as the ultimate daily driver. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up selling off the first mountain green then to um, Sam Dedlow Euro. I think that's still his name, but uh, he's kind of another local guy around here somewhat. He's around the York area. But I ended up buying or selling the car to him for a reasonable price for him to then build and and do whatever he wanted. But um, but yeah, I mean that's oh, I actually forgot one. Uh, I'm all over the place here. After I bought the yellow truck, after I bought the yellow eighty truck, mm. I had also bought a 1980 red on red early Westy hatchback two door, non deluxe car. Wow. Um, I bought that off of. Uh, Joe Robinson, he's Rooster on the Hill on Instagram. Um, that car, I had just, it was one of those things. Joe had bought the car and then had planned to build it and it was a little rustier than he wanted. And I mean, this car had an amazing look to it. And it, it had, it was also the, you know, the original red paint, but it was very like scratchy and rusty. And it had almost what I would call like tree ring rust the rust had like layers to it which was super weird in spots. Wow. and it literally looks like when you cut a tree open like all the rings internally in a tree and um so i bought that off of him oh mate you know what that probably might be what is when well i could be i could be chatting shit but when like mate I, I think clint maybe clint talked about this at the westmoreland plant like if they if a car went through the paint shop and it was like the wrong color or something, they would just send it through again and change the hmm. car. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. Well, I've seen this on a couple other cars. I don't know why. I mean, it, it, it didn't seem like a numerous layer thing. I'm using the wrong term there. I'm, oh, I'm okay, giving a sorry. Yeah. You know how, like, you know what I mean? When you, when you look at a cut tree, you can see all the rings of all the, like yeah. So when you when you look at the tree, obviously the layers there make up the entire tree, but you're looking at it on that flat two dimensional surface. So all you see is all the circles. Yes. Um, that's the look that this rust had. It just had a bunch of these like circles to it, like oh, ever expanding circles within the rust spots, and it was weird. And I've seen that on some other cars. I just don't know if it's kind of like a development of the rust hole getting larger and larger. 
you know, because it's mm-hmm. it's just it's just surface rust. It's not a through hole. So I would I would think it maybe has something to do with that as as the layer of rust expands and then the paint gets eaten away. Mm. Probably has something to do with that. How strange. Um, but yeah, I had that car for a little bit. And then sadly, once again, I was in college. I had no money. Ended up cutting that car up as a just a parts donor. Uh, I sold off the early Westy core support. I sold off the strut towers that were really good shape. It had all the red interior, which was a little rough. Looking back and deep down, that car really never should have died. It's it's kind of a regret in a way, but um, it went to you know good homes with everything. And what I actually ended up doing at the time, I kept all the red exterior body panels, like the doors, the fenders, the hood, the hatch. I kept all that because it, it had this amazing look to it. Mm. And then when I bought the cage car shell that I had mentioned, I ended up putting all those panels onto that car. So I'll send a photo of that as well, and you'll see mm. what I mean. So even though I had to get rid of that car, it was kind of resurrected in this in the cage car, uh, or, you know, what was going to be. Mm. And so that was kind of cool. But um, well. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, I just, like I said, I had some early Westies. I learned a lot from them. Uh, and I still I still have the Mountain Green, like I said, which I, I will not be getting rid of anytime soon. Oh, that's... And the, the sport truck, once I get that fixed at this point, I'll probably hold on to it for a little bit. I do, I never really still wanted the truck, which is kind of funny, but I, I have really grown to love the thing in a way. And I do want to buy a bigger, better truck that I can haul my tractors with and take them to shows. But with the prices of everything right now, it's not really worth it. Mm. So I just, I like to keep this around for either hauling my dirt bike or picking up wood or doing smaller tasks that a rabbit truck can do. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It sounds like you've had such a plethora of Mark ones and Mark twos, Mark three. And you've, it sounds like you've, yeah, just had like a, a whole bunch Nearly yeah. the uh, colors that the uh, early Westies had. <laughs> like you had the sun bright yellow, mountain green. Is it um, the red one? Is it? It's not torn. It's not. Is it Tabasco? Uh, well, I don't know which variation that car was. I thought I thought there's either two or three different reds. There's. Um, I can't keep track of all the. Yeah, I I don't actually know which one it was. I don't remember the paint code specifically on that car, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the way I viewed it was, you know, they, they made so many of these cars, so kind of why not find the the cool ones, like the oddball ones or the... Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is one of those things, but... So cool. Oh, wow. I'm so jealous that you you guys are able to go just literally... I've, I've, I've talked to some people on, on the show who have just... They're just able to go driving around, mostly Pennsylvania, and just going... Oh look, there's a there's a there's a rabbit over there for sale. Let's go and let's go hunt it down and save its life and all. Oh that. yeah, well it I, still I, happens for me today. Luckily, you know I do have kind of a following with this stuff, or people just know I'm into this stuff. Yeah. So like like literally just two days ago, I had a friend that I grew up with around high school area. He was driving truck, and um, he had dropped off. He's like a tow truck. He uh, he, he drives for like big semi tow trucks. And he mm. dropped off a truck somewhere and he saw a rabbit like sitting somewhere. So he sent me a photo of it. Here there's a bunch of them. 
And uh, so he just sent me all these photos and he sent me the contact information and I may follow up on some of that, but Amazing. yeah, I mean, they're still sitting around here a lot. Um, I bet. I don't know. A lot of it, I think was just the, the interest in the diesel and a lot of farmers around here had them. And I mean, yeah. Mm, that's amazing. Now we touched on something earlier on and I, I'd love to talk about this just a little bit. It's the mm-hmm. whole debate between a two door and a four door. And I mean, for UK listeners, I'm talking about a three door and a five door for so I, I this it will always boggle me like i don't understand why in the uk we call them three doors and five doors <laughs> yeah i don't where, know do you know what i mean where i mean here it's just more of an actual practical usable door exactly. for a, a human i guess exactly. you guys are just ca- literally counting everything that opens so i don't yeah, know <laughs> exactly i've never understood why we include like the the trunk or the boot uh, you know the back yeah. I, don't, I, I don't understand why we include that in but anyway, regardless, like, because there's a lot of people that say that they prefer the two, any, any hatch, they prefer a, a two door over a four door. Now I'm with you with the four door thing. I think if I was to ever have like a, like a Mark one, uh, a car instead of a truck, mm-hmm. I would want a four door. If I'm going to use a car and I want people in the back, I want them to have their own door. I don't want to have to keep getting out pulling the seat forward, flipping the thing and, you know, allowing the uh, passengers to get out and all that. I'd want everybody to have their own door. Yeah. So what is, do you know much about this debate? Why people prefer two door, two door over the four door. Do you know anything about um, that? I, I, I think it's very much just preference. I know, I know Chad talked about this. I know my dad has mentioned it just like he said, his dad did like my dad, my dad always seemed to be like a hater on four door in a way. Really? Um, so I don't know if it's just a generational thing to me. It's more of a, what do you plan on doing with the vehicle? Like, I mean, I agree. I would say a two door is a better look, a better proportion, a little sleeker, but at the end of the day, to me, if it was just more of like a, uh, more of a quote unquote show car or an enjoyable driver car, then yeah, maybe you would want to strive for the two door. But like I mentioned, as what I wanted was more of a practicality. Mm. I wanted it to just be a usable car, convenient, that, you know, everybody could could just hop in and go. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, I tell you what, let's move on to uh, a different – well, I've got a bunch of questions that I've written for sort of like this new season of the podcast, and I'd love to fire some over to you and and perhaps – you know, don't think about these too in depth or take things too seriously, but I'd love to fire some questions at you. All right. Just, uh, okay. So, all right. What's been your greatest loaded questions or whatever? Again, don't, it's just a bit of fun. Just top of your head. Like what do you, what's uh, your greatest achievement? So, I don't, man. So like, See, I'm a very, I, I, I overthink everything and I'm not talking about this as far as the questions concerned, mm. but like, uh, even as far as like everything I've done in my life, um, I don't know. I mean, none of it really seems that special to me, right. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, if I had to pick one, I guess, mm. um, 
I don't know, probably buying my house, I guess, in a way. That's fair. Uh, I know that's a very big thing to a lot of people. To me, it didn't really seem like that hard of a process in the end, but you know, it, 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 there's a lot of factors involved and obviously saving up and, and making that commitment and, and being able to do it on your own. It, it is a big thing. So I would, mm. I would say that, I guess, for the question. What, uh, what do you think is the one thing that most people would know you for, or do you know what I mean? Like what would, what's yeah. the one people would reference you if, if a certain subject was being talked about? Um, I mean, if we're if we're keeping it, I would say at this point probably the tractors, but more mm. Volkswagen based. I would say for probably just always selling, selling stuff like yeah. having parts, uh, wheeling and dealing with that stuff, and or just always doing something. You know, buying these part outs or you know going places, and I don't know. I'm I'm always doing something to do with one of my many hobbies. I guess you could say. Mm. What's your dream four space garage? Have you heard this question before? Yeah. Um, Have you thought about it? Yes, I thought about it a little bit. I mean, it, it was, once again, I'm already kind of working towards it in a way, but I, mm. I don't have all the stuff. But um, so my ultimate Mark 1 daily driver would be on the list. I mean, that's the whole point I'm building it the Mountain Green, you know, ultimate daily. Uh, I would love to keep that as a driver and, and have it all built to how I would like in the end. That would be there. Uh, a 1932 Ford three-window coupe would be on my list. Okay. I, I'm very much, as the tractors, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, I very much love and appreciate uh, 20s, 30s, 40s ever vehicles as well. And I grew up around the hot rod stuff, and I very much appreciate and respect, like, traditional uh, style hot rods, which is what I was more so used to be into, but anymore I like them more so as kind of I've been talking more of like a um, a mildly upgraded stock version. So I would love like a a 1932 three window coupe that was maybe lowered just a little bit with some updated brakes, um, and just have it as a flathead driver. And yeah, I mean that that's on my list. Probably my dad's. My dad has a 1967 Chevy C10 short bed pickup truck. Oh, yeah. And that was actually my first vehicle. Really? Uh, yeah. So he bought that when he was young, and he used to drive it. And then basically from when I was born, the truck had then sat in our in one of his many garages. And so then when I could drive and turn 16, me and him kind of re-resurrected the truck and uh, fixed it up a little bit and did some updated brakes and i lowered it a little bit and that's what i drove through high school and then to the first year or two into college until i bought my rabbit mm. so that truck's just very special to me as well and i would love to basically as you know i've said with everything else kind of do a respectable restoration in a way it is repainted at this point uh we did that to kind of fix some rust and that and whatnot at the time and, and and you know get it coated to drive it so i would love to paint it back to what it was originally and kind of restore the drive line as like a factory restoration keep the straight six cylinder and the three on the tree uh shifting but maybe still lower it with a little bit you know of an attitude and and whatnot but have it have like a very factory feel but yet just mm. modernized once again oh nice um, and I guess my last one 
it's not like a super flashy vehicle, but once again, I think very realistic, I guess, in a situation like this. But it would just be like a newer 2000s GMC Duramax Dually diesel truck, something that I could haul a trailer with and take my tractors to shows and whatnot. Amazing. So if that would be all I could have, that'd be all I'd want. Oh, that's cool, man. I like that. I like those answers. You know, because a lot, of, a, a lot of time when I ask people like, "Oh, what's your what, your your dream four space garage?" They're always like, "Money's no option." I'm, and they're like, oh, "Okay, I'd have this Porsche, and then I'd have this really fast vehicle here, and I'd have this expensive one." Yeah. And I just, I think so practical about it. <laughs> I talk, I think about, okay, what can I use to take the dog in? What can I use to go camping? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that's cool, man. Um, what about okay what do you what do you love and what do you hate uh so what do i love i love i love that we have in america i love america i guess but uh i love very patriotic answer but i love (laughs) the freedom that we have to basically do anything you want and set your life up any way that you want uh i'm very strong on you know choices and choices and consequences and all that and just like you know the fact that you can do anything you want in this world and you can learn as much as you want and you can create whatever life you want and that's i guess part way in turn why i i'm i'm a very like positive person i i love life i love everything that i'm doing it's can be considered like a selfish type of answer in a way but i mean you know it's it's kind of the whole point of how i view it of why i'm here i guess like you know why not love what you're doing so Uh that's what i love as far as what i hate uh pet peeves we're talking we're not like we'd have to go down a a rabbit hole of like (laughs) um little things that grind i hate i hate things like once again very old man answer but i hate things like tiktok and uh (laughs) today a lot of today's generation uh which once again i'm still young i'm only 29 but Mm. like i just I see it a lot with a lot of things like people are surrounded by these amazing communication devices and they can't communicate at all. Like, yeah, I I hate the lack of people uh, communicating or, you know, trying to ask you questions or buying and selling things or any of that stuff. Like, it's just, it's such a, it's so bad in my opinion today. And yeah, that, that really gets me going. (laughs) What do you think about? Because I listen to the uh, Joe Rogan uh, podcast. Yeah, so do I. So do I. What's the one I listened to today with uh, Mark Zuckerberg? And they were talking mm. about the metaverse and the, you know, the whole AR and AI and this this thing about you know putting on. I don't know if you listened to that episode. You, you know, that I t- did. Yeah. Yeah. No, just... I mean, I I find it all very interesting, and obviously, like these guys. That's another thing that kind of I never really understood. Like, I feel it's obviously very good to evolve and technology, mm-hmm. but I feel it happens at such a rapid pace anymore that people don't really like appreciate any of this stuff because mm. it's just a throwaway world. And yeah. that's why I go back so much to like these tractors and the other stuff that I'm into and all. I'm into like anything that's very old in a way to an Like, I have, you know, ranges on things for years and eras, but like, like these tractors, the way they were built, I mean, I have tractors that are almost a hundred years old and they still run like they're brand new. That's amazing. Like, like, but it's just, the stuff was built different then and people cared and, and it was very purpose serving and it just, it doesn't pay today to make a good product, I guess. But yeah. yeah. 
Wow, interesting, isn't it? It's it's. I mean, I I I like to talk about um, social media. That's you know on this on this podcast from time to time, and mm-hmm. and I've often said you know I I don't really have like a personal social media account like i don't have a personal instagram where i post up like the traditional like here's my food today and this yeah is, this is what we're doing this is us going pumpkin picking and all this shit i don't know you know the the typical things that i don't post selfies and stuff like that it's not a, a personal thing i don't post out what i'm going on a date with my girlfriend or anything like that it's i have the page for all the things that i'm doing with the truck and obviously to promote the podcast and the youtube channel and then i've got a photography account and but i don't have a personal one and yeah. it, i i don't know i don't know um i it's weird it's i've always said it's a love hate thing the social media is love hate thing with me because for one and i love this it's the fact that i'm able to connect with all of you guys in the States, you know, I'm able to create these friendships overseas and they've been, you know, they're so meaningful. And I chat to a lot of guys very, very regularly, like almost every day, like especially like Walter Poplin and, and all the other guys. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I've, you know, met some amazing people and very generous people. We've, we've often like, exchange parts over like sending stuff in the post and then they'll receive things from me and vice versa and and even here in the uk i've met some really great people online like through instagram and and stuff like that but you know i it's very helpful as i'm acquiring these parts for the truck and i'm meeting these great people and creating these little memories and organizing meetups and stuff great but I still in the back of my head think one day I'm just going to disappear. Like I'm <laughs> going to press the uh, deactivate button and fuck off. I will literally like, and that'll be it. I mean, th- this is the thing, but I've made all these connections with people and it's like, I can't say goodbye to those people, but I just want to get rid of the apps because it's, there's so much noise and I want to get rid of all the fucking keeping up with the Joneses and just, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, like, yeah, totally. Well, I've, I've, so I've had a lot of people over the years always joke with me that, oh, you should make a YouTube channel because you have right. a very interesting life or this and that. Because, like I said, I mean, for for years, like I was always, like you know, buying and selling or buying these cars and cutting them up or doing this and doing that or going a lot of places or like, um, I know Chad talked about it, like in my lower garage, like I have a, a whole mini ramp that I built, like, like, but like. I would just do this stuff, you know? And like, I don't know, to me, it was just nothing. I was just doing what I wanted to do. But um, I, I guess there are people out there that don't have that or, or they just like seeing that. So I've thought a lot about some of that too. But then, like you said, like, I mean, even in your case or in anybody's case, you become one of these, you know, people look forward to this content and this mm. and that. So then it's like they feed off of that. And then that, it kind of creates a demand on your end too. But Sure. No, but I, I get what you're saying, though, in general. I mean, it is. It's good and bad. Mm. It leads to a lot of opportunities. But at the same time, you then kind of get used to that, those feelings. And, you know, you're always seeing what's on Facebook Marketplace or and, <laughs> and, you're, and then something that you didn't know about five minutes ago. You can't you can't get it out of your head. And, you know, you're yeah. driving halfway across the state to go buy it. I mean, it's so I, and that's the thing anymore. I, I mean, I'm still on social media a lot. I, I kind of got off Instagram 
for a little, I like using the story anymore when I'm doing stuff. I'll just kind of share some quick stuff on there. But as far as what actually um, classified as a real post for me, I kind of got away from that for a little bit, but I, I've been back and um, just kind of sharing my experience. I mean, that's the whole point, in my opinion. People, if they want to follow me, they like what I'm sharing. They like what I'm into. If they don't, they can leave. So, and that's why my name, you know, it's the life of late because that's what it is. Mm. So, Oh, that's great, man. Um, well, I'll just, I'll just, we sort of go off a tangent there, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. What the whole point of the podcast is, is to go off and talk about this. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, I got, okay. I've got another question. Uh, who inspires you? This is another question that I throw out to everybody. Um, but who inspires you within the Volkswagen community? Is there anybody, maybe someone that's been on the show before or someone that's gone to madness, someone, uh, it could be anybody, mate, anybody. So what I would say there, it's kind of, it's kind of come full circle in a way, I guess. Like I, Hmm. I very much, I, I would say I have some older inspirations, um, as I was getting into all of this and starting out, uh, Nick Becker, who obviously, you know, you know him and a lot of people do. So Nick Becker and also Matt Murray, uh, those two guys were like the guys that, you know, they had, they just seemed like when I started this, they just seemed like they did it all or they, they've, they've, you know, those guys were like untouchable and like, you didn't want to even like hit them up or like bother them or any of that stuff you know and it's just funny because like 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 nick and also ray ray bradshaw um like those guys like like i said when i started out like they were like these these legends you know whatever and now it's just funny because like now they'll hit me up for not really for parts and whatnot i mean but just you know to to do stuff or Mm. get food or whatever but like it's just neat because at the end of the day they're just a person they were passionate about it and they were doing it. It's no different than anybody else that actually wants it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but Matt Murray as well, like, like I said, so he, he's kind of got out of the Volkswagen at this point. And, uh, I mean, he was very, very deep into it. He had a lot of really neat stuff over the years and did a lot of stuff. Is he he's the gone, guy that he's he, gone he, more hot rod now? Really? He's, um, he used to like, did he used to, import stuff from like europe to the, to the- uh i want to say yeah matt i didn't actually listen to matt rad one yet but he probably talked about him and I, I know they were very close friends and potentially still are to sure. some extent but uh but yeah matt matt uh murray was just very he was doing it back then and he had a killer instagram he had a lot of killer cars and parts and so you know growing up i would say uh those guys anymore for me at least with the volkswagen stuff i mean I just very much am aware of what I want and knowing, you know, and striving for me anymore that I don't really look to anybody else or really even have like that, that idol, I guess, within uh, the Volkswagen stuff, just because I'm also kind of, I, I know what I want with what I have. And it's kind of just at this point, it's just kind of check all the boxes and get mm. it done um, in life in general. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but his name's Rod Emery. Um, but he's a big Porsche guy, a big 356. He's out in California and he builds uh, Porsches, some earlier 911 stuff. And but he specializes in 356s. And he is just one of those guys, in my opinion. Like the, the quality that this guy goes to for his builds and just everything else, and the work he's doing, the the passion he has, the care he has, it is completely unmatched. And so like that's what I look for anymore because I like to be on that 
kind of quality level anymore to an extent. I mean, he's doing it with completely built cars. I'm doing it on a simpler scale of, as I've mentioned, more so just kind of mechanically bringing something back, but paying Mm -hmm. attention to the details and what would be and what's period and little things like that. But he's a he's a big one to me that that's still kind of I watch some of his stuff or I follow him and it's just he's a he's a very inspirational guy. Oh, amazing. Oh, that's 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 good to to hear who who inspires you, my friend. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we shoot over now to questions from the listeners? This is where we go to. Well, I put it out every week. You know, anybody got any questions for my guests on the show? And Mm -hmm. so this is where uh, we'll go over what people have sent in. So bear with me whilst I pull up, pull up the old Instagram. Uh, I'll edit this in post. (laughs) So it's just not like empty silence or whatever hey that's fine i've got to go into i saved it somewhere All right, here we go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, so we've got our first question here sent in from Tim Brandt, the track mm-hmm. sergeant. Here we go. Uh, what's your favorite engine to work on, Volkswagen, tractor, or whatever? <laughs> uh, I would say Volkswagen would win here. Uh, the ABA, as I mentioned, the, the Mark III two-liter ABA is just the – the untouchable motor, in my opinion, for just overall simplicity, enjoyability, drivability, reliability, I mean, everything. And that's, you know, they're, they're very simple, but yet you get that modernized fuel injection, that modernized, a little bit more modernized technology over like a mm-hmm. solid lifter, early 1618 head, uh, like all that, you know, going to hydraulic lifter and the fuel injection and there's not really that many components on them, but yet it's still kind of that same Volkswagen four-cylinder feel and basic platform that they started with. Amazing. Uh, we got a question from Autobahn76. Uh, his name's Wayne from the UK. Uh, yeah. Mr. Plow or Snow King, who's <laughs> cleaning your driveway? Mr. Plow or Snow King? Yeah, that's funny. So I actually still hand shovel my driveway. I have a, um, I don't have a super long driveway, but I'm young enough yet that at least for that first snow or two, I enjoy going out and, and getting a workout. I did mm-hmm. buy a snowblower uh, here this past year, but we didn't get enough snow to actually use it. So maybe we'll see about this year. Wow. But in the long run, I would love to actually – like I said, future property, I'm hoping to have kind of a longer lane mm. and I would love to plow it with one of these older, these older tractors. So. Oh, that's so cool. So cool to see as well. Uh, here we go. We've got a question here from Leepler. Leepler, I guess that yeah, is. Yeah, Lee Epler. Lee Epler, sorry. Yeah. When I when I read usernames, they're all one word. I yeah, like, I don't I don't I know his yeah I know what you mean. It's, <laughs> it's my like buddy when Lee. when uh, Chad from PA 
<laughs> he, yeah. met, he sent in questions. I used to read it as Chad Frumper. Well, Ugh. that's the thing. I mean, you see their name, but like for whatever reason, we just like put our own variation yeah. of what their name is instead yeah. of actually reading it. I've done that too. Amazing. Uh, he says, is Corey ever going to put any of his projects back together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of get this. I get uh, slack all the time because I, I do tend to tear stuff apart and don't put it back together for quite some time, but we'll get there. We'll get and uh, like I said, I open up too many other, too many other things or other things come up and sometimes you just can't pass on certain deals. And then, sure. you know, if you get something fresh, your mind's all racing on the new concept and it's always, uh, it's just a give and take. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we all have that same thing though. When an opportunity arises, we might not necessarily be in the right place. You know, we might have other things going on at the same time, but you can't miss an opportunity. Um, I guess for me, I don't actually have a garage or a shed or anything. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. I, if I, I can't put anything anywhere. So yeah, <laughs> if, uh, well, I mean, yeah, like you said, it, it keeps you very, very, uh, you know, very grounded at that point. Exactly. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, here we go. Uh, Cordell. Cordell mm -hmm. Cordy Dice. Um, he says, "No rush, but can't wait until you put that mountain green on the road. Need more stock Mark ones." Yeah. Wow. There you yeah. Go. No, Cordell's a great guy. He he's always <laughs> busting on me. You know, in a fun way, but he's always saying about when's it gonna get done. And um, but yeah, I mean, we'll get there. I got a whole <laughs> lifetime to enjoy it. So, uh, Mark Five Cole asked Corey, "How many lists?" did he make today <laughs> is this about your organization oh yeah so i my mind is my biggest enemy and um a lot of times i'm just constantly thinking about everything mm. so what i find helps me is i'll just kind of like write a i'll write a daily list every morning and at the beginning of every week i'll write a weekly list of just kind of like you know what's whatever's on my mind whether i get to it or don't get to it it doesn't even matter to me mm. but it's just gets it out of my head and kind of helps me to to move on with my day because at what i do for work it, you can't you know it, if you get sidetracked and you're focusing on other things it's not good so <laughs> but all right uh today today though i actually did not write any i today was this whole weekend for me is a free weekend so uh, i'm not uh, going anywhere <laughs> I'm just hanging out around the house. I've been organizing my detached garage and cleaning up so I can get my car parked in there for the winter. So I actually did not ride any today. So, Well, the thing is, I, I like cleaning up and decluttering and organizing because mm -hmm. it sort of clears my head. Like, it clears my mental clutter as well. I feel like if ever I've got some, like a lot going on, I feel like every time I feel like, oh, things are getting really overwhelming, I just like to organize things and sort of clean totally. up. And it really helps. It really does. Um, we got a question here from 38Bunny. Mm -hmm. Dream Tractor, what one and why? <laughs> okay, well, this gets this gets trickier for me. Okay. Uh, if I could only pick one. Um... Wow. I would actually say this might be a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I don't know. If I could pick one, um, there's a company called Minneapolis Moline, 
And back in the day, they made a tractor called the UDLX. I don't know what it stood for, if it's an abbreviation for something. But I've shared these a bunch. And I mean, at this point, they're very expensive. But it's a very stylized tractor. They basically made like a, it's a late 30s tractor. So it has styling and big boaty fenders and a grill shell, just like a big boat 30s car but it's a tractor and they also put a, a big road gear in it. So their slogan was literally, you know, plow with it all week and then drive it to church on Sunday. <laughs> like it was meant to be an all around all in one tractor. Mm. And I think they only made like 120 of them or something like that. Um, and at this point they're like 80 to a hundred some thousand dollars. But one of those would be very high on my list. Uh, along with some early Caterpillar stuff. But if I could only pick one, it would probably be one of them. Wow. There you go. Um, we mentioned him earlier. Nick Becker sent in a Well, he just says, I love Whitey. What, <laughs> what is that? Can you I, was, I was waiting for that. Yeah, so that's his nickname for me. I forget where that even came from other than um, – I don't know. I, I forget why he even started calling me that, but that's what he always calls me at the shows and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, wow. good old Nick. Uh, we got a question here from Casey, Casey Rhodes, AKA the crusty caddy, um, who he will be on the podcast next actually. Okay. Um, what is something you wish you would have known before doing the CE two swap? Hmm. Well, would have known. Um, probably, I don't know. The best thing I can ever tell anybody with C2 is uh, there's an online resource called A2 Resource, which mm. is basically a list of every pinout of that style harness. So anybody that ever does a C2 swap, you want to print off that list or, you know, pull that website up and view it mm. and follow that. I mean, wiring in its simplest form is one wire. You know what I mean? So you take that concept and you multiply it by X amount for the car, mm. but they all have a destination. They all have a purpose. It's really not that complicated. It's just a matter of following the diagrams. And the other thing I always uh, stress to everybody is, um, you know, be very careful when you unwind uh, a factory harness I wouldn't go using razor blades or anything. I, I go and either try to unravel the factory coating or snip it with some small wire cutters, like just on the, the sleeving, you know, the coating. Mm. But uh, keep everything very organized and very laid out as it will be in the car. So that way, and just pull one wire at a time as you're doing things or depinning things or whatever, you know, just keep it very looking back, I guess. I mean, I didn't really have much issue with this, I guess. So it's kind of a hard question as far as what I wish i would have known it's more just of what i know now you know is just take your time and take it one by one and just uh yeah but also have good tools good resources you know and and don't assume anything <laughs> i'm i'm very uh against assuming because once again uh with my work i cannot we we don't assume you cannot assume anything so i i hate that but and it, it just sucks. Like if you'd spend all this time and hook something up wrong and then end up frying the harness or shorting something out, you know, it's mm. just learn and feel confident and figure it out, but don't ever guess. 
<laughs> there you go, KC. And for anybody else out there doing a CE2 swap, that'll be me one day. One. Yeah. Uh, Mark Duguay says, "Is the Mountain Green the own? Sorry, is the Mountain Green the one and only, or is there other? Is there another Mark One you would like to own?" Well, once again, if I could only pick one, I would say it would it would classify as the one in the end for me. Um, I would like to potentially see. I've never owned a diesel. Right. Uh, I, I I've never owned a, a diesel that I actually like really drove or kept driving mm. the mountain green was a diesel but i took it right apart and i've owned some other cars that i had parted out that were diesels but i've never had an actual diesel driver so i would love to still find maybe like a two-door white car with a blue interior early westy diesel if i if i came across one of those i would buy it and just kind of set it on the back burner as like a backup driver so that would be that would probably be that car for me as far as wanting to own yet, but mm. I, uh, I'm not really into, I mean, a GTI would be up on that list too. a silver GTI with blue interior or a white GTI with blue interior. Mm. Uh, but I'm, I'm not really that into the early cars too much. I mean, they have some really killer colors, but yeah, the mountain green and or a white with blue interior. Fair enough. Um, Duncan Mitchell, what's your number one dream bicycle? <laughs> Um, is this someone else you know? Well, yeah, yeah, it follows me. But um, so what he's referring to is one of my other hobbies is I'm into uh like mid sixties, early to mid sixties Schwinn bicycles. Oh, nice. So I've been this whole year on top of the parts hoard that I bought. I've really been taking off onto those hobbies. I I, I also have a hobby with Lionel Train, and. All this stems from my past. My grandfather had a Lionel train layout. Now that I have my own house, I brought his layout up here. And now I've been modifying it to kind of build it in more of my own way. So I'm building a complete period, late, uh, mid to late 1940s Lionel toy train layout. That's amazing. And the Schwinn bikes, I grew up with some of them as well. And there was a, a one specific bike that my dad had bought like cheap at a yard sale that I rode growing up, which was a 1965 Schwinn Stingray in a copper color. And so I still have that bike. And now what I strive to try to collect that, that particular bike I grew up on, every bike has a serial number, you know, just kind of like a car kind of dates the month and the year that it was manufactured. Yeah. And so, usually on the bottom bracket. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. So that particular bike that I grew up on is a BA, which is February of 1965. So as I mentioned, to keep that hobby tight, I only strive to collect BA code bikes in the different colors that they offered. So uh, the copper tone bike would be the one and only that I would, uh, if I could only have one, it'd be the one I would keep. But as far as like the dream, dream bike, it would probably be what's called an opal violet, which was a, a dark purple BA code, either a, just a standard bike or what they call a J33, which has a Springer front end on it. Um, so, yeah, that would be it for me. Um, but like I said, I try to only collect the BA bikes because it it kind of it makes it fun in a way. It almost makes it impossible in, a, in another way, but it. It, it it keeps me from buying every single bike that I see, which is a lot. So, 
Well, this goes back to what you said at the very beginning, where you're into certain things, but you take it the next extra step further and go into specific things. Yes, yes, just like the trains. The the Lionel trains, what me and my buddy Evan are very much into is the post-war, they call it. So from 1946 to 1969 is what's called post-war Lionel. So I am only into 1940s. So my layout is anything from like 1945, 1946 up to 1949. That's mm-hmm. it. And so those trains and those accessories and the, the period style track and like everything is is what could or would have been on somebody's layout in that time frame. So, yeah, that's amazing. Um, all right, let's go to our next question. This is from. Billy Applegate. Mm-hmm. How much does a tractor supply calendar model make? <laughs> <laughs> so he used to call me. Uh, so I, I'm notorious for never having a shirt on at events like mm-hmm. madness and stuff. Um, I, I've always had, I guess you could say kind of a more of a tone figure. Okay. I feel I'm getting a little chunky now because I sit behind a desk, but, uh, but no, but I, I never had a shirt on it at all these shows and stuff. So all these guys would, would say stuff like that. And he used to, because I'm into the agriculture and stuff, he always said I'm a, a tractor supply model. So <laughs> we're doing pretty good in the finances. I, I, I bet you and uh, Walter Poplin could seriously do a... a, a, a <laughs> could oh, yeah. No, I, I talk with Poplin too, but uh, cause yeah. he's, got, he's got a bunch of tractors and, and he's yeah. got a, a dozer yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, <laughs> I could just... I'm not going to go any further, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, uh, next question from Clint. Uh, will you ever finish that green rabbit or is that going to end up at Billy Gundrums? Oh, gosh. No, it ain't going to end up at Bill Gundrums. But, um, who's, who's Billy Who's Billy Gundrum? Uh, so Bill Gundrum is a, an older gentleman, kind of local to us here, who uh, he used to be very much into the air-cooled stuff and do – a lot of work with that but he's also accumulated quite a large amount of rabbits over the years and uh so yeah like right. a lot of the cars anymore are pretty rough condition but it's it's not too too far from me and it's just kind of this small little place that a lot of people used to go to but at this point it's pretty much coming to an end oh, so okay. but yeah all right um let's see chad from pa or should i say chad Frumper? um <laughs> He says, uh, I miss you, bud. And also, when are you going to fucking hell? Everybody just wants to know when you're going to finish the Mountain Green. Well, the thing is, so like I said, I, I basically started the Mountain Green in 2018. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I bought my house and moved in up here and then COVID and everything hit us. So that was basically two years down in a way. And I mm. had started reworking on it then at that point. But then, just like I said, other things came up and it it got the back burner again. But it will. It will truly be done. Yeah. I really don't know when at this point. I mean, I would say, I mean, right now I'm just trying to finish the sport truck. I have a tractor that I want to get done and then we get back on the car. So, you know, maybe within two years or something like that, it could be done. But we'll yeah. see. Time goes slower now for me. Well, he also asked, "What's your what's your ultimate Mark One build?" And I imagine that the that Mountain Green one will be well, yeah. it, it'll be the ultimate uh, daily driver, right? Yeah, which but to me, it's one. the ultimate. It's the ultimate way I would want to build a car, which is why I'm doing it. I'm a mm. very simple person. Like I said, I'm not. 
I'm not all into speed and power. I want more of a turnkey reliability and appreciation for what the stuff was like. And I just, I enjoy it and I like to drive it. Like I, I'm not, I'm not a real flashy person, I guess. I just more so try to find cooler examples of the things that we're all into. And then I, you know, keep them simplistic in a mm -hmm. way. I guess that's a better way to view it. Cause even like my tractors, I have some very cool and or desirable tractors to certain people. You know what I mean? Like, like the tractors I have in the configurations, they are in the conditions to the people that know it's, it's something, you know, and that's, it's just really neat to me, but that's what I'm into. And the same thing with these cars, like the mountain green early Westie, it's definitely an amazing car in its own right. But then to just do the work that I'm doing to it in the end, like it's just how I want to build it. And that's keeping it simple and enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, okay, we've got our last question here from Bobby Seifert. Do you know this person? Oh, yeah, this is Gage's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is it? Sorry. It's my buddy Gage, who I mentioned earlier. It's his mom. So it's, Bobby Seifert. It's his mom. Yeah, she has a rabbit. She's got a. She's got a light blue, uh, late Westie, and her husband has a Scirocco too. And yeah, they're all real big into it. Oh, so. okay. Well, uh, she says, um, "What? What? Uh, what's your? Hang on. What was your best find at one of the many swap meets you have gone to?" Mm. There's a second question, which is, "What led you to your love of Arnold Palmer?" <laughs> So, uh, I'll answer the second one first. Yeah. So, Arnold okay. Palmer, it's just a tea. It's the half and half iced tea lemonade. Um, and through all of college, I mean, I drank that stuff like a fish. Right. Um, but I actually, I, I deal with a bunch of like stomach issues and other crap. And for whatever reason anymore, it doesn't really sit that well with me. So, I haven't drank it in a very long time. I probably... I, I still crack one open once in a while. It's just a, it's just a tea. It's non-alcoholic. I've actually never, I've never drank a day in my life, but, um, really? Well, alcohol. Yeah, no, I've, I've never, uh, drank, smoked or done any sort of drugs ever. Wow. But, um, so yeah, it's just a regular tea to clarify that. But, um, uh, as far as what I got into it, I don't really know. I mean, her son was probably something to do with it. I know Gage drank that stuff as well. And I think it all kind of culminated at the same time there, but, um, so yeah, that's that. And swap meet find. Hmm. I'm just trying to like run through everything in my head that I this past year alone. I mean, we basically go out every weekend. Luckily around me within I mean, there's tons of antique shops around here, but then there's also these outside flea markets every mm -hmm. weekend that they just pop up, people show up. It's basically like a big, you know culminated yard sale of a bunch of different people but um i don't know uh me and evan we found um a 1968 orange crate which is uh, it's a specific schwinn schwinn bicycle once again we found that this year for a pretty cheap price so that was that was probably one of the one of the highlights definitely amazing i, I like the schwinn bikes that have their sort of like gas tank sort of thing at the front but it's not actually mm. a gas tank <laughs> Yeah, no, it was just the stylizing of the time. That's a little earlier than what I deal with, but yeah. Sure, yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. That's that's. Thank you so much to everybody for sending in those uh, questions. 
uh, I would love to um, just sort of almost round things up with a couple more of my own. Uh, yeah, sure. Again, just something that I sort of chuck out to everybody. Uh, and that is, what advice would you give to someone who is just starting out with perhaps a project car, truck, or maybe they're just getting into this whole community slash scene slash whatever the fuck you want to call this but like someone who's just found out about mark ones and they're like oh wow yeah i want to get one what advice would you give to someone just getting started yeah well i mean especially like i said i've always been a very strong believer in like do it you know what i mean if you want Mm. the stuff and you're actually passionate about it the learning will come with it you'll have that desire to learn all you can and find out and this and that so you know i'm just very much stress all that and basically say like don't create limitations with it in a way you know make a plan to work towards whatever you want to do and actually do it you know whether it's as small as you know i don't know like putting coilovers on it or just as big as doing an engine swap like it's it's all broken down simple tasks you know and it's it's especially on these cars i mean there's really not that much to them but yeah um, i remember the first thing that really stuck out to me which someone said i remember bringing home the uk caddy and i showed a few people and some other car enthusiast said wow you couldn't have picked like a better vehicle to start learning how cars work and learning how to fix them yeah. You've, you've got like the perfect example, like nothing too complicated. And yeah, I, you know. Well, I always say, which all my friends are going to roll their eyes, but I always tell people that anything in life is only as good as the work you put into it. And to me, yeah. there's no truer statement because you get whatever result back out you put mm. into it, you know, through learning or through quality or through any of it. So that's just how I view it. Have you um, have you read the uh, How to Keep Your Rabbit Alive book? You know the the one. Oh, I forget the name now. You know the one which has like got all the drawings and illustrations in. Was it is it white with a rabbit on the cover? There, there's a white rabbit on the on the cover. Yeah, it's like a green. There's like an air cooled one and a water cooled one. I'm talking mm. about the. I think I know what you mean. I don't know if I actually ever did read that one specifically. It's pretty fun. It's it's a fun read and it's. You know, breaks things down a little bit easier for me, for someone like me who's like, you know, like like I say, I've, I'm still learning everything. Any new issue that pops up, I'm I'm learning it for the first time. And so this little, I think Brett, uh, yeah, Brett Napoli sent me that. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's a great book, and uh, I think there's some people that actually want to get like some of the illustrations tattooed on them. It's that. Mm. It's oh, a really cool, fun though. read. It really is. Yeah. Um, but okay. Uh, okay, so last question is uh, okay. Again, don't think too too much into this. Uh, but what do you, or who, or what do you want to be remembered as? Uh, I know this is a stupid question to kind of an- ask eh. when you're so young. Um, I mean, the way I view it, I just i i would think just being a solid person. You know what I mean? Like through. Mm-hmm. Through like I, I mean I I've never uh, ignored people like if they message me for questions or advice or this or that or uh, as I mentioned through selling the parts you know trying to stay fair pass the stuff along like I just 
like the idea of, you know, being remembered as a, just a solid person within anything that I've ever interacted with anybody on, you know, whether it be tractors or whether it be the Volkswagens. Um, I like to, I love talking with people at shows and, you know, I get uh, chatting with people for hours and stuff or at these old tractor shows, these old guys that, you know, they lived their lives and this was their stuff. So like, you know, they get to pass all that along, but yeah, just actually giving people the time and showing that you, you know, kind of care or you're willing to give your time. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. None of it's that special, but just being a, being a solid person. Oh, I like that. I like that answer, mate. Uh, well, there we go, guys. Uh, well, have you, before you go, have you got anything to plug anything you want? You know, obviously what I'll do is I'll put your Instagram in the show notes below so everyone can go over and give you a little follow and, you know, send you some love and stuff like that. But uh, is there anything you've got going on? Anything you want people to know about? Um, no, I mean, I'm just, like I said, I'm going to be finishing up the sport truck here soon. And other than that, I'm just uh, loving life. But life. I don't know. I would, uh, we can say, uh, how about this? We'll throw this out. We'll say, uh Congrats to Evan's sister Riley and Verizon. They recently got married, so good for her. She's Amazing. a beautiful person. But <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's one. about it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, Corey, thank you so much for for taking the time out to do this this podcast. I I feel like I've learned a fair, a fair bit, and uh, I always have fun doing these talking to um, to you guys over in the states, and it just really does cement the love that i have for not just the vehicles but for the people in the community as well so thank you so much for yeah agreeing to do this and uh coming and telling your story or, or parts of your story i'm sure there's yeah. certain things we could have talked more and more on uh, but uh yeah i was kind of all over the place but it is what it is so. it's all right honestly honestly that just going off on different tangents I, I like that so uh but no thank you i really appreciate it and uh you're welcome back anytime if there's anything you want to come up come on and talk about or you know you're more than welcome to come on all right awesome thank you cool uh mate enjoy the rest of your weekend where are we third oh saturday it's that so enjoy your weekend and enjoy the rest of your week and uh, I'll see you soon. Or I'll speak to you soon, rather. Yep. Unless you're going to madness in 2023. I'll be there. We're, we're hoping to fly over and, and it'll be my first madness show. That'll be quite cool. So no, that would be awesome. Hope to see you there, bro. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks, mate. Yep. Well, there you go, guys. Another episode in the bank. That was Corey Lape from Pennsylvania telling his story. I want to thank Corey for taking the time out to come on tell come and tell some of his stories and i i, I really appreciate his time and uh, i i want to thank you guys for submitting questions for Corey, and also thank you for taking the time out to listen to these episodes i really appreciate everybody's attention i know they're quite long and things like that but uh, from from the response that I get from a lot of you is that you really enjoy these podcasts. So if I could ask you anything, it would just be, could you just please subscribe to the podcast? If you can, hit the follow button or the plus button, whatever it is. Just just follow it. It, it basically helps us to reach a wider audience, which I'm trying, I really want to do. I want to reach out to more people 
and get more people involved with this Mark One community. Whether you're in the UK or the US, wherever you are in the world, please tell, tell a friend about what I'm doing here. I really would love to reach out to more and more people because I think there are so many other like lurkers beneath the undergrowth that just don't really do social media. So they don't really know about what I'm doing. So if you could, if you have any friends that are like moles that live underground, <laughs> then please do reach out to them and, and tell them about the podcast, tell them about the YouTube channel and uh, tell them about the monsterrabbit.com. And, uh, you know, if you'd like to support us or support me, what I'm doing here, subscribe to the things like the YouTube and the podcast. And if you really wanted to, you know, help and support what I'm doing here, then you can go to the website, themonsterrabbit.com, get yourself a T-shirt. There's some Halloween prints there now. We're just in time for Halloween. And uh, all the uh, profits will go towards me and my partner going over to Mark One Madness next year, 2023. So you'll be doing me a massive favor. But yeah, like I said, to reach a wider audience, I'd love it if you could just subscribe tell your friends and uh or maybe if you want to go an extra step you could write a review on like the uh, apple podcast or or just hit the five star i don't know how it really works on spotify or apple podcast but just five star review it really does help reach a wider audience anyway i'm gonna stop rambling i've got some things to do anyway thank you so much for listening and uh, i'll see you in the next episode. Take care, guys.